Blog Talk Radio. The love received so far has been so hard. There's a few dudes to 
man, they so soft. Don't be thrown off any Zolar. Avoid them at all costs, like raccoons or skunks. But back to the regular scheduled program. The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven. What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven at 11-11? Emerge at the other end of those meditation portals and elevated walk tools. Even some abort tools. Any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. To everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are. Peace to you and yours. Peace to you and yours. This is Nonetheless Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed. This is your host, Brother Blue Pill. All right? Welcome, family. Very soon, I am to be joined by my co-host. Okay, let me not waste any more time. Let me go to the line. Open up 347650. Peace. Peace, peace. Peace to the family, peace to the family. Welcome to Know the Ledge Radio. You are now rocking with the best. This is your co-host, the brother Red Pill, reporting live and direct. Greetings to everyone. Absolutely. Yes, sir. My brother. Uh, just enjoying my last days out here. I'm out here in Texas with my daughter and her mama. Okay. And uh coming from yeah, just coming from a little bit of uh diapers and things like that. <laughs> there you go. You know. So Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Mommy. Say yummy yummy. Say what's up. What's up, Bella? Say what's up. Oh now she phone shot. Say what's up, Uncle. Any other time she's full of words, but now she won't act shy. But anyway, oh, you know, you know, maybe that's that all good. Talk. It'd be that fear yeah, that blog talk is intimidating. That, that blog talk. <laughs> yes. So. But all is well, though. You know, I can't complain. You know what I'm saying? All is definitely well. So you know, shout out to all like, let's, let's. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, right. average in the 70s and stuff like that. You know, I wasn't even, yeah, it was like that's 75. T-shirt weather. That's my T-shirt weather? It's T-shirt weather. You know, okay. T-shirt weather. I ain't even prepared for that. You know, but uh, it's, it's all strange, great. right? It's mad strange. I keep getting like, oh. I, I've already gone into polar mode, you know what I mean? I, I, I've already accepted the coldness. So the switch yeah, you look at your phone, so your phone be like, it's December, and then you be outside of the element, like, yeah, huh? it's a weird thing. I don't get it. It's mad weird. You be juxtaposed, like, totally turned upside down. Like, what the hell is this? What am I? 
Yeah, shout out to all of the family, though, out here in Texas, New Orleans, you know, uh, the boot, the mud, you know what I'm saying, the Miami family, everybody in that in that lower region, you know, shout out to y'all, you know what I'm saying. We definitely see y'all doing the do and holding it down. And, um, you know, what's up? We're planning on doing some things out here in Texas at the top of the year because, to my understanding, you know, we got a lot of people that follow the movement, respect what we out here doing, and uh, they just, you know what I'm saying, they want to they wanna be exposed to some more information, and they're part of town. You know, we got the we have the mass awakening taking place. A lot of people are turning their lights on and whatnot, so it's only right that we come and bring that, that uh, note of ledge on the road and uh, shine some light on them. Share, you know, drop some gems, share with what we got to offer. You know? I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. They ready for it? Not they if. Okay. It surely is. Shout okay. out to all my fathers. And Daddy, mothers, of course. No, shout out to every shout, shout out to the black families. You know, I'm talking about shout out to all of the families out there, you know, holding it down, uh, doing what it is. You know, I, I really feel like that is the pinnacle of consciousness. That is the crown jewel of what it is that we do. You know, it is about the family. It is about these babies. You know what I'm saying? It is about respect to their mothers because the mothers that is one of the most important and one of the most challenging. And one of the most uh, honorable positions, jobs, you know, whatever you call it, you know what I'm saying, to raise those children, that's something that's honorable at the end of the day. They don't receive enough credit for what it is that they do. I honestly don't think no, they don't. Yeah, we need to no. have like a, a KTL. I won't call it a picnic. I don't like that word, but we need to have an appreciation day for the mothers. You know what I'm saying? And I don't hear yeah. none of you dudes getting caught, you know, Japan getting caught up in the bunch talking about, I'm saying, brother, you got to balance it out. See, you're creating a balance in the community by just talking about the women's. Look, homie, take a seat. Yeah, the, nur- the, the nurturers, man, like, you know, the the fathers play a very important role. Um, the whole unit, the when the unit is together, you feel me? That is magical. That is dependent. You know, that's the ultimate expression. But um, from yeah. my understanding, you know, that that you know that that main piece, the appreciation needs to go to all members of the family. You know, the children should be appreciated for coming into this world, for reincarnating and choosing their parents. Parents should be appreciated for, you know, being there for those star seeds, for those indigos and crystals and raising them up and giving them the jewels and also being students of these children. Because let me show you something. There's no rule book that, you know, parents have. We're we're not really – we're teaching and disciplining and helping to raise the seeds. But, man, just these few days that I've been with my daughter, she's taught me so much. She's teaching me patience. She's teaching me to be more observant. She's teaching me to be a better parent. She's teaching me to be more caring and loving and things of that nature. She's helping to, um, you know, speak to my heart chakra. So, you know, these children, they're, they're, they're very special. She's civilizing the uncivilized? Yeah, I'm not. 
Just curing the ratchetness from ratchet to righteous. Curing is making the ratchets go righteous. <laughs> wow. That's, That's an amazing thing. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. You're on Facebook. We see some of our brothers, right, and some of our sisters from our previous uh, incarnations from back in the days. You know, we knew the the life that they was about. We knew that they was about that life. But I see the maturity and I see the growth and development. And I see, you know, I salute them, man, because I see these brothers uh, posting pictures with their seeds, you know, posting pictures with their wives, you know what I'm talking about, posting pictures with the family. And it's like I know yeah, where yeah. they come from. I know yeah, some yeah. of the things that they've done. And I know that the main – I know that the, the uh, one of the main changes were those children that came into their lives and humbled them yeah, and put them on, gave them, them purpose, yeah. gave them purpose. So, yeah, salute, definitely. And that's that's interesting because I'm because the nucleus of this show tonight we'll be talking yes, about yes. family. You understand? Yeah. Family. Yeah, segue. I was I was waiting for it to uh, tie that in. Yeah, I'm Braun Braun in the paint. Hold on. Segway. No look pass. No flex zone. Now go ahead though. No, I'm listening to you. No, but that is the segue, though, so, you know, do you think? No, you're speaking on it. I'm saying speak on it, you know. You're talking um, about the the, well, the main constituency of, of black family, strong black family, and we're talking about tonight. You yeah. deals with a period in time when that core unit, that structure, was decimated, interrupted, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of people like to hang that coat here on 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 this brother. You know what I'm saying? They like to put that on him. They 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 want to indict, you know, that brother for being the culprit behind the decimation of the family unit, the black family unit. You know, uh very interesting thing. I read some of the posts, you put the picture up and first and foremost, salute to you for that. Wonderful flyer that you put together, man. I was, the visuals behind that was compelling. You know, uh, uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm loving your, yeah, I'm loving your your, your artwork. Um, you put the poster up on Facebook uh, for the show tonight, and I read some of the comments that some of our illustrious, you know, <laughs> listeners and sisters on Facebook left. And then I'm gonna keep it 1,000. I was touched. You know, it I was hit me, it hit me in my heart, B. It did. Like, it I was, did. I was, I was choked up. You know what I'm saying? I was. The raw emotions and, you know, what it spoke of, family, I can't really repeat it verbatim because it's not in front of me. But what some of the posts were speaking about was the survivors of this crack epidemic. And they were speaking about the impact that it had on their families, their mothers in general, and what they had the horrors. You know, got some people out here that's like pro-life D-boy. D-boys are crack dealers and hustlers. You got, you know, sisters out here, brothers too, like they, they love the life because it's glamorized. You feel me? Like, they're like, yeah, them brothers is out there getting it. You know what I'm saying? They feeding their family. I'm like, feeding their family? 
they cursing their family. You don't realize that, you know, this thing's had spiritual ramifications. How much your family got to eat, though? Like, I just came from Walmart. Diapers ain't that much. You know what I'm saying? And food and all of that, it's not that expensive. Like, one flip, you should get out the game if that's the case. You know, how, who, how many families are you feeding? You selling a lot of crack, homie. How, how many families you know are you feeding? Like, yeah, how many families? How long do you got to feed your family? But as a result of Jordan's gold chains and other things, these material uh, possessions, we destroy the fabric. Shit, you know, foreigns, yeah. you know, all of these European mm-hmm. products and corporate entities and all of this stuff that made it one, one of the uh, most uh, uninformed consumer bases in history, you know, uh, the vicious cycle of being a new slave, you know, it really hasn't helped anybody, family. Like, let's keep it 1,000. There ain't no black Wall Streets built off of crack money. There ain't no Fortune <laughs> 500 built off of no damn crack money out here. Cut that shit out. Like, we're going to nip that in the bud tonight. Yeah. We got to demystify this, this this Negro mentality that has, you know, got our people uh, uh, uh Loving that cocoa, you know what I'm saying? Like they high in their own way. You you get mystified by those 100 bottles coming out. They cost four five hundred dollars, but thirty dollars in the liquor store. You think them niggas are smart? You think that they, you know, you think that something. Shut up. Shut up. You mystified about somebody going to Jacobs buying rhinestones or genetically modified diamonds and overpriced jewelry. They don't even they they haven't even they don't even own no stocks on the goddamn precious stone market. Nigga, oh, you right. Right. You know, you got a war going on outside on our people. Clearly. Clearly no man is safe from. You know what I'm saying? To the degree where we are now forty somewhat years inside of a federally declared drug war. President Nixon declared the drug war. This was before crack even hit. He declared the drug war in seventy one. We are in the midst of a drug war. Our people are in such a stupor. They're so high. They're in such a cloud. They forgot it was a drug war. So they're talking about the police. They're here to serve and protect. Nigga, your culture's criminalized, okay? Your fucking baby's a target of a drug war that has been ravaging and raging on for 40-plus years. And it's two million bodies, two million plus bodies behind uh, behind a wall, and people scratching their heads still trying to figure out how and why. Yeah, to justify this is a war. the true niggas you know warning so, anything. Is is, 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 is Mike Hold Brown on. and Trayvon and, and what have you? No. It's, it's, it's more than it's, that. Hold on. Um, D'Angelo brought an album out the other night called Black Messiah, right? Huh? How D'Angelo dropped an album called Black Messiah. How coincidental that he comes out with an album called Black Messiah because Black. Yeah. Yeah. Let me do this real quick. Let me open up the line. I got somebody that just needs to plug, you know, a very uh, uh, upcoming appearance. 
You feel me? Mm-hmm. This person will be a I'm guest sorry, here on KTL. It's coming Friday. Let my brother Polite come in real quick. Talk to the family. Call her from the 
okay, and New Covenant, as well as the Amara Squad, as well as the Now Valley Movement. We have several Israelite camps coming through, whether it's AOC, GOCC, Hebrew War Machine, uh, and uh, some other people going to be in the building, ISUPK, of course. And don't don't get it twisted. You know, we go hard, but when the cameras are off, I'm in good communication with these brothers. I just finished talking to uh, Danny Boy or Daniela, uh, one of the Israelites that I had uh, spanked no homo in the last video. But just understand that when we get on the phone, we laugh and we build. And the goal really is to get all of us in this building and still sharp and still. So make sure you get out there February 8th. We're already selling the tickets online at 2012 stores. So you can get the tickets for this Sunday's event in California at 5515 Wilshire Boulevard at 2012stores.com. Yeah. Two zero one two stores dot com. Check out Sign Edit TV, Black News one hundred two, New Covenant TV. Keep it going. You guys get it. Indeed, my brother. So we will see you this Friday here on KTL Radio. Hopefully, Ramsey, you coming back as well. You know. Yes. Yes. Man, we brothers, man. You know, we we go back a little ways ourselves. So anytime I oh now you family, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. A green giant. All right. We see you. Jolly so, green giant. We see you. <laughs> the jolly green giant. I'm going to ask giant. you, brothers, yeah, <laughs> if you can, you know, we have our guests here this evening. I want to open up the lines and bring this brother in. I got a lengthy yep. intro. I'm going to bring the brother in first, and then I'm going to get into this intro because I got to put this man, on record. So, the real you know, big you boss, brothers man. are welcome. Yeah, you brothers are welcome to stick around as well. You know what I'm saying? But I want to do this. Let me get into our introduction. Well, I'll start the introduction. Yeah. I'll just open up the line for our guests right now, and then I'll read this uh, this piece that I prepared to set the tone for the evening. So call it from the 310-497. Peace. Peace, peace. Peace. Welcome back. Man, glad to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. My brother, if you can, if you would give me about seven minutes of your time, I want to read this introduction that I wrote because I think it pretty much will set the tone, you know what I'm saying, of where we're going to go tonight, okay? For sure. Okay. So, the argument posited by Freeway Ricky Ross and echoed by others as to whether or not hip-hop is a convenient weapon of mass destruction for the policy makers and policy enforcers of this empire disguised as a democracy erroneously referred to as the American government cannot be answered by looking at hip-hop as an isolated art form. Hip-hop at its inception was a tool, a tool utilized to arrive at many means to an end, protest, party, propagation of philosophy. Under these titles, you can create plenty of sub-columns. The people were protesting the deplorable conditions they were living under. The people were partying their pain away. The poets were pushing their philosophical views on the people to give them that knowledge, whether it was knowledge itself or Islamism or Marxism or communism or Pan-Africanism or black power panther philosophy or the many other variations of upliftment coursing through the streets at that time. The painters took their protests to the canvases, whether indoor or outdoor, whether on walls or off the wall, the dancers stomped the night away. 
hip-hop was born in this petri dish of organized confusion, in this powder keg of creativity. The liquor was poured for the libations. The weed was burnt for the sacraments. The coke was always around to keep the party alive. Eventually, the coke would find its way to the weed, and when the dust settled, even the angels were dusted. The roots that hip-hop will be born out of would play a very instrumental role in getting to know its ultimate destiny. The soil that sowed the seeds of hip-hop was Jamaican. Not only by being birthed through the loins of one of its native sons, Kuherk, but the 4-4 rhyme pattern was also a staple of reggae music, born out of the 2-2 syncopation of Calypso. Around the time of hip-hop's inception, his distant cousin, Reggae, was tearing the globe up. It was an erase for his life, though, hightailing it from the inner sabotage. You see, reggae was carrying the baton handed it from earlier rebel music that had made its way around the globe. The soulful sounds that emerged out of the American slums in the late 60s, early 70s, and had become the battle cry of rebellion and protests around the world. Marvin had taken Motown into uncharted waters with the risky What's Going On album. James Brown was instructing the people to say it loud. Curtis, Otis, Isaac, Sly, Jimmy, Aretha was demanding respect. Stevie was starting to see how to use his platform for social change. And as a result, people were waking up. And this time period was marred with riots, protests, social unrest, ultimately assassinations and policy change. The revolution had a soundtrack. The Africans had found the power of the spoken drum once again, and the war cries were going out. Over government-regulated airwaves nonetheless. This threat would not go unanswered. The CIA commissioned their best thinkers, and Harvard came up with a white paper report prepared exclusively for Clive Davis, who was helming CBS Records at the time. This white paper laid out the strategy that he would later implement to take over the reins of R&B music from his melanated progenitors. He would begin by co-opting the sounds of Gamble and Huff, one of the most prolific groups at that time, steering the soulful sound that would inspire and light fire to the heart chakra of millions. This same Harvard Petri dish would give birth evil genius of Chris Blackwell, the manager of Bob Marley and the Whalers. His interference and co-opting of Bob, Peter, and Bunny is a thing of legend even down to causing strife by naming the group that. He registers very high on the list of conspirators responsible for creating a chaotic environment where Bob could be taken out, even being present and complicit during the botched attempt on Bob's life. Ultimately, Bob would succumb to cancer, and Roots Reggae, as we know it, would get sideswiped for a more aggressive, less conscious expression of the form. Slack music would come by way of Yellow Man in the midst of the Wellers scrambling to find their footing after the loss of Marley. And in the long run, the direction of the revolutionary spirit that not only galvanized Jamaica, but had taken root globally. The year was 1980, and with Bob off the scene and a burgeoning new sound emerging, the politics of the country was about to take a turn for the worse as well. Another Harvard operative, Edward Siega, would take the reins as prime minister of Jamaica and usher in the period of the gunman into Jamaica, one unlike they had seen prior to this administration. The rude boy aesthetic has supplanted the Rasta man as the Don Gargon of the island, and Patois was replaced by gun talk. His infamous gunman reigned with impunity, and before long, 
Jamaica will become a main CIA port for cocaine on its way to the United States, or as the foreigners call it, or, the, or as they call it on the island, they call this foreign. Okay? Um, these ruthless gunmen will be exported as well, the most famous of them being Vivian Blake, the leader of the infamous Shower Posse. Someone even dared call him the quote-unquote inventor of crack for the tons of powder he sprinkled on the city of New York. Coupled with the reign of terror, accompanied by the lead showers routinely dispensed by his hit squads, Screwface ain't had nothing on the shower posse. So by the time Rick Ross would emerge in South Central Los Angeles, for the most part oblivious to the deeper tentacles connected to this hydra of an operation, hip-hop already had coke in his veins. As part of the street culture, coy references to cocoa were being made by artists who were routinely engaged in a recreational use of power on the night scene. Yet, you weren't getting no full-blown anthems like, I'm in love with cocoa. Nah. You all know the stories. No, you had artists doing the reverse and making anthems against it, warning, warning of its looming addiction like white lines from Melly Mel. Don't do it. But when it flooded the streets of America in its cooked-up form, there was no dam strong enough to hold the Katrina-side disaster that will follow. Okay? And we all know the stories. You can insert a picture of Hiroshima at this point of the discussion, and it will only partially capture the visuals of the catastrophic fallout. Shit. The Japanese bounced back. But today, 40 after the birth of hip-hop, it is fair to say she's a late-term crack baby. Still in love with the cocoa. And because of her, ultimately our love affair with the cocoa, we are at a very unfamiliar place in our lives right now. Many can't see, many can't see it for what it is because dust cloud from the debris still has the majority of oops, like a meth lab blow up the size of the Atlantic Ocean, breaking bad for real. Rick will detail for you the CIA complicity in this full-scale operation. I will remind you that the edict issued by J. Edgar Hoover to destroy the Black Messiah by any means has never been rescinded or amended. You still will not be able to make out what I'm saying to you. I will ask you to keep in mind that the war on drugs always meant a war on little black and brown babies. An inquisition of morals, if that sounds any better to you. High-tech sanctioned lynchings of our firstborn, if that registers at all. The police became paramilitary slash militarized to fight a war that was started by the CIA. Just like the CIA started wars to supply weapons in other countries to supply tons of folk right here in the homeland. So when the Mike Mitchell or Eric Garner gets killed, is it racism or is it just part of the edict? Sanctioned a false flag operation that was born out of another war that is still raging on to the war on poverty. Do you know how many millions were put in the ground on the grounds of the war on drugs? Do you know how many families have been broken and destroyed for low-level offenses in this going war? Because that's what it is. While the real culprits will never be held accountable. Are we to believe Rick Ross had the plan undetected? Same CIA now in Afghanistan protecting the poppy fields right now? Did not Bush Sr.'s granddaddy make his fortune off opium? 
Why is dope the biggest drug in the country while the CIA is the terrorists in Afghanistan? How could you not make the connection to low-level officers to kill with impunity during times of war and high-level officers to kill and torture and terrorize with impunity during times of war? Have you not heard them on TV talk about their disregard for prisoners of war during war times? What makes you think that they can think or see those two million black or brown bodies locked in prisons any different? Why is it so hard for you to believe that the same banks, i.e. the record companies, who fund wars in Israel, who invest in prisons over here, who oxygen private arms protecting populations in Afghanistan. Why is it so hard to believe that these astute businessmen remember what the drum can do if you tune it to a certain scene? Why do you not believe that you are at a war with every the deepest suspicions? Do you think those artists just don't give two shits about what's going on right now? And that's why you're not hearing from them? Or does your right mind tell you that your favorite artist is telling her how to behave on the work site? Well, tonight, we're about to hear, we swear, the best argument made all year to finally open your eyes and ears to the truth that lies in plain sight. And with that, I want to introduce you to Freeway Ricky Ross. Peace. Mm. Okay. Let me open up the brother's line again. <laughs> peace, Rick. Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Yes, my brother. So where do we begin? Well, I think you said it all. I mean, that that right there pretty much sums it all up. And 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 you know, and real quick and real sweet. Right. Um, you know, but we're 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 at a position right now where people can't make this connection for some reason. You know, and the train seems to be off the track. You feel me? Where not only do we find ourselves fully thrown within a drug culture, but we embrace it, we defend it. You know what I'm saying? We adore it. So I want you to, um, you know, just initially recap your experiences in terms of how you got introduced into the game. You know what I'm saying? And uh, did you have any idea at its inception what you were getting involved with? Uh, Absolutely not. Uh, I believe that the first seed that was planted uh, was from the movie Superfly. You know, when I went and uh, saw that movie uh, for the first time in my life, I saw a black man that I wanted to be like. and what I equated with him having his strength was I equated cocaine uh, with being what gave him his powers. Wow. <clears throat> so uh, that was what sparked my interest and in, in, in really what uh, eventually uh, knowing about the subconscious mind now is what got me started. 
you know, even though it was, you know, four or five years down the line uh, before my homie uh, uh, gave me my first real opportunity to get involved, uh, it was that. It was that seed planted in my mind in 1974, 75, uh, that festered inside uh, and took root and then sprouted up into a tree. Right. So initially that gave you the vision to see where you can ultimately take things. You know what I'm saying? Correct. You had the mythological, imaginary vision in your head to say, oh, this can be, you know, my outlet to, to, to get super fly. Right. This is my way out to ghetto. Okay. This is my way of being the man. And feel right. justified in doing so. Indeed. And at what point um, did you see or get a grasp that, you know, things kind of probably was getting out of control in regards to what the effects of the narcotic was doing? Well, it was it was a few years. You know, it, uh, uh, Coke didn't just splash on the scene overnight. You know, uh, uh, a lot of people think that, you know, I just got in the game and started making a million dollars a day, you know, the, the second day after I got started. But it didn't happen like that. It was a, a gradual and slow process, uh, a study grinding, study charning uh, before uh, before the money started coming in. And after the money started coming in is when you start to see the, uh, the destruction and, and the addiction taking place. Because, you know, when a person first starts to use, you know, they don't they don't become a dope fiend, per se, the first day. You know, it starts gradually. Uh, you know, when they first start doing it, they make and do a 20 a week. And then that 20 goes to 30 a week. And then, you know, 40 a week. And then uh, pretty soon, you know, they're spending their whole check on it. And then it goes from spending their whole check to them saying, you know what, I can make more money. Uh, on the street playing and dope than I can at that job making eight or nine eight or nine hundred dollars a week where I can go on the block and make four or five hundred dollars a day. So then they right. quit their job and it's just it's just a, a process that just keeps it keeps building. So now it's a cycle. Now the same people that are purchasing the narcotic are actually participating in the distribution so you got a built in economy where a customer's always going to have bread to re-up. Absolutely. And that customer's yeah. always going to be able to pull more customers in. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of my theories is that uh, 90% of the people who get involved with drugs don't get involved to be dope fiends. Uh, most of them get involved to make some money and along the way, uh, start experimenting with the drug, and then become addicted to to the product. Right. They start to get high on their own supply. Right. Can you give us a visual, like, of the early stages or early days of when this was first introduced into Los Angeles? Like, what was Los Angeles like prior to that? 
what was going on in Los Angeles? Well, well, where, well Los Angeles was it was it was a strange place, you know. Uh, gangs had been going on when when coke came for about about ten years at that time, maybe nine years. Uh, they were going pretty strong. Uh, unemployment was high. There was no job. Uh, a lot of people, myself, didn't know what they were going to be doing with themselves. Uh, the school system had been failing. Uh, it was a sense of, of, of desperation and uh, a lack of hope, you know, uh, not knowing right. uh, where you were going to go from there. And from your honest assessment, because you are older than me, was a lot of this to fall out from what had fell, you know, the black power struggle and, you know what I'm saying, after the riots and things of that nature, this all, you know, the results of the aftermath of that? Uh, would you say that again? Was all of these conditions, was the conditions in Los Angeles that you're describing, were they the aftermath of, you know, when the Panthers fell and, and you know what I'm saying, and all of the riots had already took place and the businesses kind of left the neighborhoods and what have you, was those things responsible for those conditions in the neighborhoods that you're speaking of? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. And what was the initial response of people who went from, like you said, destitute, not having any idea where they was going to get their next buck from, now they're making four, five hundred a day. You know what I'm saying? Like, what was the initial response and reaction of the streets when they started coming into bread like that? Oh, say that again. What was the initial response to the streets when they started coming into money on that level, going from not having any bread, not knowing how they're going to get their next hundred dollars, to all of a sudden making four or five hundred dollars a day off a tape? Oh man, it was uh, total uh, overwhelming. I mean, uh, you imagine somebody not being able to eat now; they can go in and buy the restaurant. Uh, right. Not 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 having gas to put in a car. Not not only did they not have cars, but not even having the gas to put in the car when gas was twenty five cent a gallon. Um, now they driving Rolls Royces, and some of these kids got two and three and and Ferraris and Porsche slant noses, and you know uh, able to go to fights and, and just you know. Right. Just, I mean, it was totally. So- it was an explosion. Yeah. What does that do to the psychology of a child? You know, were the children dreaming as well at that point? Like, damn, you know, maybe I am going to go buy a restaurant. Maybe I should take this bread and, and, you know what I'm saying, maybe go over here or go over there. Why can't we go to Beverly Hills and Hollywood and make some films? Was anybody well, absolutely. You, thinking? You know, you, you, when you had been locked out of so long, uh, your goal uh, becomes to 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 fill in all those valves that's been, that's been missing. Right. So 
do you know of any personal stories where people, you know what I'm saying, took some of those finances and, and did big things with them? They actually was not only dreaming big, but got to live out some of those dreams. Starting record labels to beauty salons. I mean, at one time, uh, L.A. had become uh, uh, almost like a, a black mecca, you know, where, where we were owning businesses and uh, houses, and, and it looked as if, you know, financially as if we were thriving. Right. And this was, was this prior or after? Because I know they said downtown L.A. at one point was like a black mecca in regards to the clubs and the restaurants and everything of that nature. But again, we got a storm out here, man. It's, it might be a little, a little choppy. Okay, it's still Hello? storming up there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's storming now, lightning. Okay, I can hear you, though. Can you hear me? You know, sometimes you go out, though. All right. Yeah, just let me know when you can't hear me, and I'll repeat the question. Uh, I got you. But what I'm saying, for the most part, is... uh. You said that you witnessed the fact that some people took their finances and ultimately did other things with the money. Absolutely. Not just some, a whole bunch. I mean, at this time, you know, uh, we have a, a cash flow in South Central that probably haven't came into this community since that time. Uh I mean, money was flowing into this community like like crazy. People were coming from all over the country here to us. Now, in regards to you left at one point, and I'm sure that you came back, you know what I'm saying? I know that you did a period of incarceration. You got incarcerated. You know, they caught up to you, what have you. Speak about the nature of the Los Angeles Police Department at that time, because I remember reading in the Dark Alliance where you were talking about they had a particular um, task force that was really not only looking to, to book you, that more than likely they wanted to do some bodily harm to you as well. Well, they did do bodily harm. So, they shot at me, uh, they handcuffed me, and, uh, and tied my hog tied my feet up, uh, beat me in the head with flashlights, let dogs bite me. Uh, kick me with boots. Uh, uh, they used the N word toward me, so so they did do bodily harm to me. Okay, was this during the period of Rampart? Uh, they were before Rampart. Rampart was an offshoot of these cops or the Freeway Task Force. The Freeway Task Force was the first ones. The the Freeway Task Force was supposed to have been the most elite uh, uh, drug task force in this country. At time. Okay. Now, is this when you started first realizing that there might have been a high authority dealing with your case? Because from what I understand, even with the task force, they weren't able to put certain charges on you. Is that how it went? No. Uh, uh, 
I didn't know about that until uh, till I was going to trial in in '96. I didn't know that there was a a, a, a secret uh, uh, agency that was um, kind of overseeing uh, our operations. Oh, you might have to repeat that. You're I said choppy. Hello? it wasn't until '96 when Gary West okay. wrote the story that uh, that I found out that the secret intelligence agency uh, may have been over. Right. And what was your initial response to that? Okay, the brother's phone call just his phone just dropped. Away for him to call back in. Family. All right. Excellent. Yeah, feel please feel free to uh, chime in. Call us from three one zero four nine seven. Peace, Rick. Peace. Yes, indeed. So you said around ninety six. That's when you found out about the uh, quote unquote intelligence. Yeah, I, I found out pretty much at the same time. I found out pretty much at the same time the rest of the world found out. Okay. And what was your initial response to that? Like, how did that? Disbelief. Like everybody else. I mean, who could believe that the CIA was uh, instrumental in bringing drugs to stop drugs? Okay. Cool. So, Gary, what was wrong? Right. I don't know if I asked you this before, but you did, you've met Gary Webb before, correct? This wasn't just an investigation he was doing, you no, know, outside of him meeting. actually consulting. Okay, so you That's met my with first, him. That was my first time meeting Right. And can you, can you tell us a little something about him and, you know, his investigation, you know, did you think that he was genuine when you first met him? You know. Well, we met. We met he, strangely enough. Gary was checking his phone. Uh, my name. He contacted my lawyer and said that he wanted that he had information that would be pertinent to my case. Um, I was looking at a life sentence without the possibility of parole, so I felt I had nothing to lose by sitting down talking to anybody. Uh, so we agreed to take the sit down. Uh, what actually happened is Gary came in, he got a lot of information that he didn't get in. Um, we wound up going to trial. In the middle of the trial, Gary is uh, uh, questions to ask the informant. Gary won. Hello? Uh, the judge gave me the high sentence. Gary published his story, uh, Dark Alliance, and um, the whole thing goes black people to the internet in numbers that had never went before. And yeah, how did that change for you? 
how did things change for you once this information came out? Like, you know, was there a scrutiny level that increased amongst you and your, your, your associates, you know, the streets, the authorities? Like, how did your life change when this information came out? Say that again? I said, how did your life change when this when this information came out? Well, uh, you know, people started attacking me and my credibility uh, because at first people thought that I had gave Gary the story. So, you know, they wanted to say that I made it up and, and, and so forth. Um, I started doing a lot of news interviews. Um, we filed new motions to the court. Uh, saying that if the CIA was involved, then uh, I shouldn't be charged with selling the CIA's drugs and how could you put somebody in jail uh, for doing exactly what the government wanted them to do. Hmm. So those are the arguments that your lawyer was introducing into court, you're saying? Yeah, that's what we introduced in the court. And how did that uh, go? The courts came back and argued that even if the CIA, not that they did give drugs, but if they did give drugs, it wouldn't excuse me for selling drugs. And for that reason, uh, I should still go to prison, um, which was unfortunate because a lot of other guys uh, had started to file motions saying that, uh, they had got their drugs from me and that they should be excused from selling CIA drugs as well. But nobody ever focused on the CIA. Well, uh, not really. You know, from, from my point of view, you know, from inmates' point of view, and from my point of view, uh, my goal was to get out of prison. Uh, right. You know, Gary Webb was still pursuing uh, the case uh, rigidly. Uh, I don't think no other newspapers, uh, no other major newspapers pursued it. Uh, but the CIA did their own investigation and that they were. Yes, they had an entire, um, was it a Senate investigation or was it CIA? It was an internal well, the investigation did that they own, did on themselves? They did their own, the CIA did their own investigation. Okay. All right. Look, I want to actually take this time. I want to open up the line and bring in a friend of mine who actually did some research on that CIA investigation, and he has some questions that he wants to ask as well. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. I want to open up the line, bring my brother in. Call up from the two. Yo, yo, peace to the family of nation. Peace. Peace, peace. Can everybody hear me? Can this Rick? Yo, what's up, Rick? What's going with the rest of the um, the the people then? What happened to the pill? I don't know. Oh, we here, brother. We in the building. Oh, peace, oh, 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 okay. Yeah, peace, right, peace. Right. My phone got knocked off, but I'm back. Peace, Buddha. Yeah, man. Peace to everybody, man. Big up, Rick. And what up? The real Rick, that is. Uh-huh. 
No, no. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, my respect for that, man. Um, when I was um, looking at the CIA um, investigation that they had, and they had to present their investigation for the Congressional Commission, and the Congressional Commission was trying to focus the story on you, and the CIA themselves was admitting that the story was involved with a bigger picture that had to do with their using um, narco regimes in um, Latin America to destabilize Latin American economies. And and then they had these things that they called um, contract employees that they allowed to um, engage in illegal activities to, 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 to fund the actions for 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 their covert and clandestine movements in Latin America, and that you were a product of that, and that the story tried to make it seem like you were the central focus of the cocaine epidemic when actually it was a a fallout of a much larger operation that you got caught up in. So the question I was coming up with was when when the hearings were going down, was the media using you to ignore that focus and trying to further play the image of the crack epidemic with, with, with with the black male image rather than the actual perpetrators and and the proliferation of the drug due to the need to destabilize Latin American economies and Caribbean economies. In well, other words, yeah, I, you become the fall guy for the CIA. Well, well, what I believe that the CIA was trying to do was was make the story coming from my point of view or from me which would discredit the story. They didn't want it to come from a, 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 a Plaza, a, a Plaza Prize-winning uh, writer, investigator, reporter who was credible. Uh, they would have much rather from, for it to come from a drug dealer who people would just blow off as uh, a story that this drug dealer made up to try to uh, get itself out of prison. Uh, so so uh, that was their first tactic, and not only their first tactic, but most of the media as well. Um, but I think when the CIA came out and admitted it, it debunked all of the, the things that they had been saying about uh, me. Uh, 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 and just for the record, Gary Webb is the one who broke the story. I didn't break it. Uh, I wish I would have, but, uh, but I didn't. I wasn't fortunate enough to do that. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I understood that because you said you wasn't aware of it until the story actually broke. I was just asking in retrospect, do you think that they've tried to make you the fall guy? And I guess you answered the question in saying that they removed the credibility from Gary Webb and his research because it was his research that led to you. So logically, that means that there was something in his research that he found out about you that was already known and, and, and accessible to anybody that was actually doing the research to find out who you were and what you're doing for him to break the story about you and your connections without you knowing, which, um, Correct. which is um, uh, uh, amazing to me um, based on things that we talk about on the show 
and I was just asking in retrospect, and as I said, you answered the question um, um, very um, profoundly when you said that they used you to um, discredit Gary Webb based on you were just being um, a simple drug dealer. Now, the other impact I wanted to ask is as far as the task force locking in on you, do you um, relate that to your proliferation and your connections with the gang culture in Los Angeles and distribution or just your overall distribution, period? So what I'm asking by that is when you started to do what you were doing, did a certain amount of things occur within the gang culture that made them draw attention to you, wherein now they would use you as the fall guy, um, sort of like in the, the report where they set up the, the guy um, for the Bush campaign when um, they made him come to the park. And they and sell the herb or not the herb, but sell the contraband in front of the park. And um, you know, and Bush went on the air and all of that, and the big fiasco came and showed that it was a whole orchestrated event. So I'm saying, was your arrest and the focus of attention based on everything that had occurred with the gang proliferation and the culture that now it became a benefit to target you in in the action. Well, so was I, I, it either your distribution nationwide or the fact that it was distributed amongst the gangs that spread it that culture nationwide? It's kind of the question I'm asking. Was it your well, impact on the think, gang culture or pure distribution of drugs in of itself, or was it one and the same? I think they all went together. The whole the whole war on drugs is all one and the same. So I, 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 I don't think anybody... Uh, can really separate them because they all go together. So, uh, I'm not, I know it's hard for you to talk about these things. And the um, question I'm asking kind of is, so, I want to know is if, if they orchestrated uh, an event or if they infiltrated an event, or if there was a combination of the same, wherein was there already a hustle going down and then they infiltrated it with a new product, or did they orchestrate this product to create a culture that would stem around this product, meaning that the crack and the distribution of crack was the proliferation and creation of gang culture, or was there already a structural environment in place where people were hustling and doing their thing, that you came into with the crack, and then they infiltrated, and then they could control and orchestrate more of who was getting money, who was spreading this. Oh, that's the guy that's actually doing this, this, and that. If we take him down, we can present him to the media this way, this way, to cover our problem with disposal in reference to our our the criminal enterprises that come out of our covert operations is 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 where I'm getting at. It's more like did they use crack to create the gang culture or was the fact that you were connected with the gang culture and then this actual method of distribution that they would never be aware of caused them to say, wait a minute, let's get him. 
You see what I'm saying? Did they create you or did they infiltrate you is my whole point. Is, and I don't uh, mean that in a, in a I, negative way, brother. I'm just asking. I can't answer that question because I don't know when they got started. Uh, I know cocaine was here before I got started. Uh, the first time I heard about cocaine was in 74, like I said, with the movie Superfly. But I know that there was other people already using when I started selling. So uh, I would say that, that that that's something that I couldn't answer with my with my expertise. All right. Um, when they all right, if you go back to the story with the Dark Alliance, soon the person that they claim was your contact that was one of the subcontractors for the CIA operation. You know, how in the movies, did he personally pick you out? Was that an accidental meeting? Was you know what I mean? They're like. Were you already in the hood doing certain things where somebody could come and be like, that's the brother that we need to give the thing to, or was it one of those? Because anybody been in the game know it was one of those accidental bump in, you knew his daughter or something. You see what uh, I'm saying? To see whether this orchestration or, you know, I'm trying to explain, because we're trying to figure out how the CIA actually used this proliferation of the drug culture to, infiltrate what we call hip-hop and manifest hip-hop into a proliferation of this drug-dominant image to where you get a superficial Rick Ross (laughs) 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 Um, that's the standard for showmanship and and, um, success in the music industry in one respect, which is um, to us to do this type of research is, is crazy. So we're really trying to figure out the role of this crack distribution, creation, and proliferation in the community. So it's kind of important to know whether you were picked out and selected to do this or whether your personal skills and ability within the hood caused them to recognize you and certain things went on because we're, we're, we're using – this whole thing to kind of draw a bigger connection to the fact of, of that there's been an orchestrated control over not only the rhetoric that we have in hip-hop, but the whole concept of self that we thought we created independently. If you, and so and it goes back to this connection to crack. So uh, the question is, like, you know what I mean? Was Were you chosen? Were they tapped you? Yeah, let them answer well, first of all, I, I couldn't say if they chose me or if I chose them or not. Uh, I guess it was two willing participants. Uh, but at the end of the day, it came out that they were controlling it. So I don't think that it's really important if 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 if, if they chose me or if I chose them. Uh, I think the important thing is that they got involved, that they were actual participants in the drug trade here in Los Angeles and and, and around this country. Uh, And and I believe that that's the important thing, uh, you know, to try to figure out who picked who. The only way you could tell that is if they was talking, because uh, in my mind, uh, they were the dictators. Uh, They knew more about what was going on than I did. Right. Yes, sir. To answer the question, that fits in exactly what we were saying. 
Like right. they, they were they were involved in constructing this pseudo image for self that came out the crack culture. So Correct. let me ask you this because the question popped up in the chat room and somebody in the chat wanted to know what was your role in the formation of Death Row Records and I said it wasn't you, it was Harry O. What was your relationship to Harry O? Uh, I knew Harry on the streets. Uh, me and Harry were cellies when they f- were forming Death Row. Uh, I met Shug the first time inside the visiting room at uh, MDC LA. Uh, me, Harry, O, and David Kenner all in the and and uh, Shug in the same visiting uh, visiting tank. Okay. Right. So you didn't have any direct um, involvement Nothing with the formation of Death Row. Right, nothing more than, uh, you know, they were my homies. Okay. Indeed, indeed. Is Harry O home, or is he still? No, I just talked to Harry O tonight. About an hour okay. ago. He called me. Indeed. Indeed. So when we're talking about hip-hop and the government involvement, or just this whole aspect of it being a tool for the government. At what point did you realize that? Were you behind the wall and you came home and you started seeing this whole CB4 element of it? Or was you behind the wall running into certain elements of people that were behind the wall that, one, didn't belong there because they was never really part of the game to begin with? You know, when when it, when it hip-hop started, when did you start opening your eyes and seeing certain elements of hip-hop? They just, you know, were probably constructed. Well, it was just recently that uh, that everything started to come to me. I had the privilege of reading a letter that was posted on the internet, where all the major record labels went together and uh, uh, formed an alliance to uh, to turn uh, gangster rap into the the forefront of music. Uh, after reading that letter, uh, uh, going through my battles with the rapper uh, William Roberts, who stole my name. Um, and just seeing all the different aspects of it kind of started to uh, mold the way I thought. And then I also looked back at my own life, you know, how I got started selling drugs, how the movie Superfly planted a seed in my mind that really stuck in my mind so hard that I was willing to uh, stake my own life and my freedom to uh, accomplish uh, some of the things that I saw inside those uh, uh those interviews. Indeed. Indeed. Let me do this. I want to um, have another question coming in from the phone line. Can we do? Can line. we do like two more? Can we do like two more questions? You know, I've been I've been up all day, and uh, you know, I don't want to be be up. I ain't ate dinner tonight, so I want to shut it down in about you know another five minutes or so. Okay. All right, let me go to caller from the 530-530-739. Let me just give me one second. Peace, you there? Five three zero seven three nine. Peace. Peace. 
Pace, you there? Yeah. Yeah. You hear me, King? Yes, indeed. We hear you. Yeah, them boys on this phone, they acting crazy. Listen, listen, excellent show as usual. Um, I think, I think, um, I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of people are listening, but a lot of people are not understanding culturally, you know, the importance and the significance and how how it's an asset for us to actually be able to speak to this brother because what he said, the most important thing that 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 was said was in the last few words I did say as far as highlighting the genius and the ability of black men despite their circumstances, despite where they at, to still create dreams. A lot of people are eating off of the culture of crack and I'm a person that grew up in the culture and I understand it from a perspective, from a poverty perspective. And I'm I'm still connected to the streets. So when I go to the streets, I know for a fact that crack is not really being sold no more. The fact that it has become theatrical and in the narrative, it has also afforded it not to be smoked by youth. Youth culture don't participate in it because, see, I like to look at things objectively. Some things is always not negative. We always looking for negatives because I remember before crack came out, the whole summer, I seen the first person ever smoke crack in 80 on 116th Street at Lenox Avenue, and you couldn't even call it crack because they didn't have a word for it in the game room on 115th and Lenox. Then I seen them smoking, and they called it free base at the time. They didn't get, they, 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 it didn't become all sophisticated yet. And then I seen whole summers with youth culture, they were sniffing cocaine out in the open, and this is 82, you heard, 82. So crack had had an effect on impoverished people, and then it also exposed the lack of leadership in our community. And some of your greatest revolutionaries was, uh, was, was functional dope things, you understand? So one thing is this, we don't want to never look bad at the people who is disempowered and impoverished and enforced to actually have to participate in the culture that undermines them. But I'm going to tell you, because of hip-hop and because of clowns who taking the culture and presenting it like it's cool, it's making the kids not smoke crack, and I'm happy, you heard? We had to go through that. And a lot of people ate and a lot of people were sad, and I'm glad to hear Harry O is still alive and talking to real people, you know? That's a good one. Indeed. you have a question for uh, our brother tonight? I just want to ask the brother one question, if he could say it fast. What are some of the most um, the most memorable or positive things that he did do in the community when he was in the game? And that's it. Peace. I'm listening. I got my family listening. We listening right here. No doubt. One. One. Peace. 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 Uh, what what address? That, um, wow, bring jobs to the community. Uh, there was times that that uh, different sets was gonna kill each other, and I had to be the mediator and go and uh, and get it squashed. I mean, there were so many things. It's, it, it's hard for me to uh, sit back and, and talk about what I did. You know, uh, I, I really don't feel like that's 
my job to do. Uh, but just those are a couple of things that I did. Right. We're going to do one right. more question, and I'm going to call it a night. Okay. All right. I'm going to go to another call. I got a caller calling from the 410-595-410-595. Caller. Peace. Peace, Lord. Peace to Brother Rick. Peace. Peace. My, um, my question really deals with uh, you know, the, your position now after all of this, you know, and you trying to um, reestablish yourself squarely, right? Is it more difficult, you know, uh, is it just as difficult now than before you went in? Well, you know, when I went in, I still had a little bread, so it was a little easier. But right now, I think the black community is in, in, in is on life support economically. Uh, I think we're being pushed out of all the major cities throughout the country. Uh, and and I believe that it's my job to help uh, stimulate our, our community. Um, and, and, I desperately, and I do believe that, that it's desperate times. Um, uh, I think that we're worse off than we were 50 or 60 years ago. Um, yeah, I concur with that idea. Unemployment you know, it, is at an all-time high for black men. Um, you know, Obama is the president, but uh, I don't see no benefits uh, that, that we've received from it. So uh, I, I definitely think that these are, uh, 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 are, are dying times and that we as black people have to right now come together and 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 join forces and, and, and tighten up our belts and stop being consumers. Stop uh, uh, wearing everybody's clothes and eating everybody's food and, you know, getting our nails done by everybody and putting their product in our hair. Uh, you know, uh, uh, some people say that, that we're the cow of the, of the world. You know, we we the person that everybody come to and milk. Mm-hmm. I, I have a frame of mind that, that concurs with that. I mean, all you need to do is look at our condition and the state of the world and our condition within it and how we carry it, you know, in terms of uh, culturally what's cool. And you can see we are bigger than the cow, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, brothers, I'm going to check out, uh, uh, you know, go get me something to eat and uh, get ready to unwind tonight. I appreciate y'all having me on, though. I got one last question for you before you depart, and I got to ask this question. Is your general answer, or is it more so one that you uh, probably give on a person-to-person basis? If somebody ran up on you and they're like, man... My mother used to smoke crack when you were selling it. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there an answer that you have for that? Is there something that you are, are, are that you give a person in terms of words of wisdom to alleviate somebody that might be in pain? Huh? It's according to how the person comes at me. Uh, right. Because you know, I've been I've, I've been on stage many times, and people uh, will get up and and they'd be mad at me because their mom smoked crack, and what I try to tell them is that they must hold their mother accountable and their mother must be responsible for their own actions 
if somebody held a gun to somebody's head and made them smoke crack, then the person who held a gun to the head would be accountable. But I believe uh, that we all must bear the blunt of our actions. If I go out and I go and buy some crack cocaine and I take it and I put it on a pipe and I smoke it, then that was my action. Uh, but there are other people who are involved with the game who were really victims, and that's the kids and, 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 and the people like that who, who really had no choice in the matter, who uh, suffered strictly on the grounds that their mother or their father might have smoked crack. Uh, with those, you know, you have to sympathize with those. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, if somebody smoked crack on their own free will, then they must bear the blunt of uh, of their own actions. Indeed. All right. I want to say thank you for taking your time out, you know, to dialogue with us this evening. All and, right. Thank um, y'all. And, uh, uh, you know, we'll do it again someday uh, in the near future. Absolutely. Indeed. All right. All right. Peace. Peace, Rick. Peace. Peace, peace. No doubt. Blue, do we have we got callers in the question in uh in the call queue? Other callers? Of course, of course we do. Well, let's just go ahead and begin to open up those lines. I you know, uh keep the lines open for the brothers who have called in, you know what I'm saying? And um hopefully we can have a <clears throat> an open dialogue and um, you know, just put some more facts on the table and things of that nature. I wanna say uh, big ups to everybody who came on with their questions. Big up to you for your uh, your journalism. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much, you know, uh, the, those seven or eight minutes of wisdom that you shared with us were, you know, it was epic. You know what I'm saying? Um, and um, Buddha Clinks. And I, is that Raku? Who, who's called yes, The God Body and A.A. Rashidi. Salute this for... Uh, for, for your questions and your commentary. Yes, indeed. So peace to the God. I'm still here for the round table. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, let's go ahead and get this thing going. Absolutely. All right. Let me go to caller from the 202-560. 202-560. Caller, Peace. Call us from the 202560. Peace. All right. Must want to highlight Ricky. Oh. <laughs> if you go to the 203360. 203360. Peace. Peace, brother. Peace, brother. How you brothers doing this evening? Peace. Hold as well. Yeah, this is the Burgermeister. Burgermeister. Yes, brother. Yes, brother. Yes, brother. You know, I want to start off, first of all, but thank you, brother, for bringing the brother on. And I had a question that I wanted to make sure that got into the archive that I had for brother. And the question was concerning the attorney that he had working on the case, 
I would like to know what type of uh, moving uh, instruments that he filed on behalf of um, on that on that posit- on that brother that was an entrepreneur. It's just that I don't might not and pretty much most of his owners, the listening owners might not agree with the product, but you still got to give the brother's accolades as being one of the top entrepreneurs in the United States of America. So with that being said, I would like to know what did the attorneys file on behalf of his case that uh, that he uh, eventually got his uh, case overturned. Yeah, I mean, we'll put it on record, you know what I'm saying? I'll try yeah. to get it to the brother after the fact, but I appreciate it, brothers. Thank you. Thank you again, you know, for giving me the opportunity to come in. Hold on. This, this, yeah. Happy birthday. I've been seeing that come fully packed with the movie trailers. So if you need some of his uh, services, I'm sure he could, uh, give you an email or, or something to get in contact with him, correct? Yes, yes, brother. That email address, if they were interested in getting the promotional um, package put together to market their products or their services, it's called Internet Journalism Today at Gmail. Again, I'll repeat it. It's referred to as Internet Journalism Today at gmail.com. Right. And I can send them out. A, I will send them out a package, an introductory package that will give them the um, that will give them what my company will do for them and how I can help them and assist them with their products and services. Indeed, indeed. Now, do you have any personal stories yourself that you might want to share? I know that you've been all around this country, you know what I'm saying, through uh, different time periods and what have you. And you've seen things when they've been up. You've seen things when they've been a little bit rocky. You know, do you have any commentary that you might want to share on what the brother shared tonight in regards to the CIA's involvement with certain things? Well, let me ask you this because you are a legal mind. Is there any quote unquote legal slash lawful precedent to bring a class action suit in international court against them? Yes, well, the first thing that you would think about, like in any case, is whether it be a minor traffic case or whatever, and you are victorious and the charges are not brought against you or the charges are dropped, whatever, you can always bring a tort claim. You can bring a tort claim in the state or you can bring a tort claim on the federal level. Uh, uh, Applying to the magnitude of Brother uh, Rick's case, the tort claim would be filed in the uh, United States uh, in the district courts wherever that case was personally originated from. You know, just just to add a little bit more insight into the whole scenario is that the brothers and the listeners at, uh, in the community need to start to do a little bit more study on how the court system works. And pretty much it's pretty simple. You can just go to any court, and it will tell you exactly what's the court procedure that you need to file to file any kind of action. I know a lot of times a lot of brothers say, oh, well, yeah, you can just file an affidavit. But first of all, you need to get a law dictionary and look up the word affidavit and find out what that means. And first and see if you file an affidavit in court, are they moving instrument or are they just testimony? So a lot of times a lot of brothers might put in something into the court and say the court never answered me. 
Why would they answer an affidavit? It's not a moving instrument. You're not asking the court to do anything. So, in essence, a lot of times we don't know what the rules are. It's just like in basketball, when you first uh, shot your first basketball, everybody tells you to get the ball in the basket. But then when you try to play organized basketball, they said, oh, you're traveling, you're walking. The guy said, no, I'm not traveling. You know, I just shot the ball in the basket. He says, well, there's rules for the game. So that's one reason why a lot of us fail a lot of times by not knowing the rules for the game. And just by listening to that, Brother Rick, for uh, for the introduction time and the part that you read about the introduction, and also when he came on, the brother was a top entrepreneur. And I think pretty much that's the reason why the agency solicited him. Because you got to realize the United States of America is a corporation doing business. So, therefore, right. they saw a business opportunity to do business with that brother, first and foremost. They didn't care what the product was. It just happened to be that a product that had a high demand on it. Hmm. Uh, um, yo, this is phenomenal. I need to talk to this brother about the law. This is great. Man, I like Oh, man. yeah, dude. This is a connection yo. I've been trying to make happen. Yo, yo, when you talked about the tort claim, because when you talked about was there legal action, um, the reason, um, and I know you want to know what motions, but I think the legal theory behind him getting off the case is that had they connected him to the CIA, they had to let him off the case because that would have been legal precedent of the CIA's actual guilt with a conviction, which would have been grounds for class action lawsuits. So for you telling him that now he can go file a tort claim against them based on their the grounds that they did say he was an active participating in uh, or in something they orchestrated is phenomenal, which which gives which would give a precedent to have a class action lawsuit for the whole impact of the um, criminal mm-hmm. enterprise of of the distribution of practice the enterprise. And the, the corporate aspect of that enterprise being ran by a clandestine organization and, and the government. Man, that's crazy, and using the tort claim to do that. Uh, that logic is in, incredible, but, and like you said, a lot of people don't understand the court procedure and the logic and how the law works, and, and that instrument to move forward. Wow. I never, uh, yo, I, I'd like to just build with you on that off the line one day if we could. Yes, no problem, yeah. brother. One thing, yeah. one thing that you really got to start, brother, uh, brother Blue Peter, if, you, if I may, you got to realize in order to get in any court, whether it's a traffic court or whether it's a civil court or equity court or maritime court, it starts somewhere with a complaint. So the that's complaint right. is the complaint, a complaint. That's the only way you can be charged in this country is with a complaint. You got to be that's indicted. Right. You got to be indicted. So, therefore, we have to go all the way back to number one and read the complaint. In the complaint is the remedy. Exactly. Exactly. The remedy. The, oh, man. Yeah, man. We could talk. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, all you got to do is be able to count from one to nine. That's it. You know? Brother Blue Peel. Brother Blue Yeah. I'm going to yield to you, and, and I thank you for giving me the time and the opportunity, and I think you've given me a, enough time to shed a little light with some insight that I might possess. Thank you, brother, again. Great deal. 
Yes, indeed. So, so the next time, if, if I may, I wouldn't mind joining you and the Redfield as co-hosts on the next time that he comes in. Oh, for sure. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Rick. Yes. We'll put something together. And, thank, and right. thanks to Rick. And thanks to Rick Ross. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good evening, brothers. Yeah, my Indeed. Indeed. brother. All right. Thank Peace. you. Peace. Peace. Yeah. Yeah, give me a second. My um, studio just froze up. All right. They do, man. They said, damn, why we didn't let this guy on the line. We'll reach that out for brother. We let him talk. Yeah. I have a question for that brother that um that has a, a a knowledge of the law. Is he still on the line? Yeah. Brother Mike, are you still there? Yes, yes, brother. Yes, brother. When yes. when when would it, if it would ever, be more appropriate to bring a lien against the uh the party in this case the government as opposed to a tort? Well, I would say first he needs to file. Uh, a civil wrong and a criminal wrong against them, and then in that particular process, you got to follow the process. See, first you got to correct what was wrong, what was done to him before you can put a lien on him. See, so, the lien uh, so, yeah. so the lien would come after the tort, then. Exactly. Exactly. And not before. And why is that? Because, because the lien. Number one, yeah. Go ahead. The remedy. It's after yeah. you get the remedy, you use the lien to affect the remedy to a writ. Yes. Yes, brother. Okay. I'm going to look more into it. But, you know, I'm like of the mind that, you know, once you do a tort, then the justification for the lien is out the door, isn't it? Well, well look at it like this here. Most tort claims of are settled how? Most tort claims are settled without going into the court because the tort itself will open up everything that was done wrong. And a lot of mm. times they don't want that tort. Therefore, the tort is settled outside of the courtroom. That's where they say the majority of, of uh, civil suits are uh, settled in the hallway. And when they come back into the courtroom, they just role play because everybody already knows what their role is going to be. That's the same thing mm. that will happen in the city, for instance. Okay, what I what I don't understand, what I don't I don't mean to cut the elaboration, but I need to understand this 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 precisely with regards to torts and liens. So yes. you 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 file the tort and let's say you're successful, right? Yes. Would that remove the necessity for the lien or or the opportunity to continue with the lien if the tort well, was the, successful? The lien, the, lien, the lien will work at once the judge. It's like that there's a judgment for a tort claim for $9 million, and they haven't paid the $9 million, that's when you will go and get the lien secured against them. Okay, so now I'm confused about something. So when you go into a courtroom and challenge the judge's, the magistrate's jurisdiction, and he certainly does not have jurisdiction, you could put a lien on him without a tort, and I don't understand that then. Well, well, right away, you just changed another, you just brought another procedure in because why would you go in and challenge the judge's uh, uh, jurisdiction over you without, without you challenging the jurisdiction in the first place and challenging whatever instrument that they got against you to get it dismissed? That's the first thing that you will go for. 
Well, well you know, Kiko, I, under, I, I, know, understand. I understand that part, oh, but what oh, I'm saying is, but, but, what I'm but, saying I is, hold up, brother, can you, I, you, you're wrong by the... Hold on, hold on, hold on. I can offer a point, a point of, of clarification, I think. One is you, he's talking from the point, because when he said you put a lien on, that's you being a defendant. If you're going into court and you're filing a tort, right, that's a different process because you're going in as a plaintiff and you're actually in control of the court. And you're the one opening the court and opening the jurisdiction. So you wouldn't challenge jurisdiction. No, I don't mean, no, no, no. If you went in as a defendant, then you would challenge jurisdiction. And coming in with a lien is a different procedure in that aspect. But if you're coming in as a plaintiff, you're creating jurisdiction. Okay, I I, I, I get that part. This is what I don't get in in this. Okay, and this is the question, all right? Um, I want to take action against the the the, the officials of the court, the officers are in the seat, right? The judge, the DA, whoever. And in this in this, as a defendant, I can bring a tort uh, if they are violating my constitutional rights, and or I can file a lien. In that situation, I don't have to take the tort route. I can go straight to the to the lien. Can I? And why would that not be inappropriate when, in another case, the lien enforces the suit? I don't get that. Were you waiting for me to respond or the other brother? The the, I'm, whoever has the correct answer is the, uh, 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 with, the, with, with clarity is, is what I'm trying to what I'm trying to understand here. Because, okay, for, for uh, example, you're talking about. Converting yourself as a defendant in account, uh, uh, into a counterplaintiff using the lien process against them to turn you into a counterplaintiff and then using the lien to justify that complaint from a position of a counterplaintiff. That's where the lien comes in because you're coming in always from the position of a counterplaintiff and you're opening up a positive court on top of their negative court. Whereas so if I if understand, you're, if, you're if I understand directly, what you're saying, that the lien is only for uh, for the defendant in a counterclaim type situation, where otherwise the suit would ha- uh, a tort would have to be filed. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Okay. That, that's, that's the answer. Then I got the clarity that I'm looking for. Okay, brother. Very well. Thank you. All right. Hey, one second. I'm still waiting on my arm. Yeah. You know, we so are going to link with the other know the law yeah. out there. Man, I really want to link with you off the line. Blue pill, red pill. Y'all got to make that happen. Man. I got, I got you, brother. I got you. Because I got you. Yo, I really want to build with you on the law. I've never met another legal mind that I was really impressed with, my lord. Okay, brother, I look forward to talking to you, brother, in the future. Yeah, we're going to make it happen, without a doubt. Yes. Thank you again, brother Red Pill, brother Blue Pill. I'm going to sign on off, you brothers, but thank you again, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to market one of the skills that I'm offering to the the community. Absolutely, brother Burgermeister. All right. Thank you. One more more time. You can drop that email for them one more time. Okay, that email again is internet. Oh, thank you.
internetjournalismtoday at gmail.com. There we go. All right. All right, brother. Thank you, brothers. Legend. All right. Yeah, let me, um, I got to do this. I've been waiting to do this all evening. I was supposed to do it earlier. I'm going to do it now, though. I'm not guilty. You're the one who's guilty. The lawmakers, the politicians, the Colombian drug lords, all you who lobby against making drugs legal, just like you did with alcohol during the Prohibition, you're the one who's guilty. I mean, come on, let's kick the ballistics here. Ain't no Uzis made in Harlem. I mean, not one of us in here owns a poppy feed. This thing is bigger than Nino Brown. This is big business. This is the American way. Yo, Red. That was classic right there. See, this is what I'm talking about. Hold on, B. This is what I'm talking about. It's the shit that I was talking about this summer. It don't matter if Jesus was black or white, real or not. What about Scarface, nigga? What about Nino Brown, nigga? What about Nino Brown, nigga? You know how many children took that path? You feel me? And emulated that lifestyle? Back. So we clearly see who that character was patterned after. Indeed. You know? Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. I'm also, I want to shift the conversation a little bit with the remaining time that we have, though, because although we we did handle, you know, the the, uh, the inception of crack cocaine, we peeled back a lot of layers, I don't really think we completely dug into the um, – the implications of the governmental conspiracy behind the music industry and what we know now as today as hip hop, trap rap, crack rap, you know what I mean? Turn ratchet music, things of that nature. I don't really feel like we brought some solutions to the table from our uh, illustrious minds, our round table. And I don't, I don't know if enough questions were posed by the listening audience in regards to that, because, you know, we will, we'll log off, you know what I'm saying? We'll get off the call and whatnot, you know, but with all of that being done, they still in love with the Coco tonight. You know what I'm saying? Niggas going to put their boots on, strap up, go to the club, and it's going to be turn-up season. And the indoctrination is still going to be on 10. You feel what I'm saying? Like, these things are not being challenged. So I just want to know if there's anybody out there that want to shed some light on that who really has – um, who could really draw, who, like, if this is the closing argument, you feel me? Like, you know, where's Johnny Cochran at? Pause. Like, who could close the case? You know what I mean? Who could who could really, you know, who could who could throw uh, <coughs> I can elab- uh, in the scope? I can elaborate, bro. You know, I did some... Uh, I did some research on, um, on hip-hop, on the birth child of hip-hop, okay? Yes. Yeah. And um, on the there's a few dates that I'm that I'm looking at, but right now the you know I'm looking at the uh, August 11th, 1973 date, right? And um, right. at 9:30 at night when that party started, and is that the big Yeah. No. Yes, right. 
Um, no, cool hurt. That's the hurt. That's, That's the hurt. The cool hurt day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay. when we when we look at that chart, okay. Now you gotta understand. I'm gonna try to explain how 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 this how how to read a chart. I mean, how to read a, a an entity that is immaterial. All right, a movement that is uh, uh, very evident. Do we don't look at it as a human being, but it still brings the same type of energy that a human being would bring. All right. So when we look at hip hop and it, and its origin, that party that it gives this music genre a Pisces rising, which is not um, uncharacteristic. You know, it, it's like right in line with what hip hop manifests. I mean, basically, I'm gonna be speaking on the obvious, but uh, uh, in in terms of what the music is and how it's functioning, but. Uh, how it co concurs and how it's spelt out by the heavens is is the lesson that I seek to impart, really. All right? Mm -hmm. First of all, when you look at the rising sign of anything, then this shows what form that it takes. So, you know, I, can, I hate to use the word coincidentally, but it, it concurs, it coincides with exactly what hip-hop is all about, music. Pisces is the sign of music, the sign of spirituality. And in this country, it can be used to describe us as a people, as we are the ones who are doing the suffering, as we are the ones who are most incarcerated, as we are the ones who catch most of the diseases because they're put on us, all right, through conspiracy and all of those words I just used. Uh, um, conspiracy, um, damn, being oppressed or persecuted, all of these are what the sign of Pisces points to, all right? So when in the 80s they had a little uh, trend that was out when they were calling it the music of oppressed people, and at even at the time I thought that was appropriate because it was the only <clears throat> voice that we had in the world that we didn't have to get elected to post to to uh, uh to utilize. All right. So then when I look at the the chart, I didn't I didn't have a whole lot of time tonight to do a whole lot of uh, methodology. So what I what I started with was what we call primary directions in, in astrology. And what that affords us is the opportunity to use one degree of space to equate to one year. So, you know, you got planets at, at zero degrees, one, two, four, five, seven, twelve, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-six, and twenty-nine. These gaps in between these planets represent spaces of years, and the planets themselves point to the events that occurred. So I take the number line of hip-hop down, and I, I look at the first, you know, the first motion of, of, of significant action, all right, because there were a few events in the, uh, uh, at the outcome that uh, helped to propel it into the public eye. But these events weren't as significant when it comes to planetary motion. So I picked those events they concurred with motions that were strong and obvious and left some of them out, all right? So that's for anybody that might want to wonder, um, you know, why didn't he elaborate on this and why didn't he elaborate on that, okay? Um, the first major motion in the chart occurred on the third day when you do a progression, 
All right, so we're looking at the third year of hip hop by looking at the third day after it was created, right? And we see that the the planet Pluto of healing and and wounding and sometimes it points to death. Most of the time it points to death, but it points to to healing and wounding as well. Um, had lodged itself uh, on the IC or a very strong sensitive point in the chart, while at the same time Saturn was on the um the, the the seventh cusp and the seventh cusp represents open conflicts when it doesn't point to harmonious relationships. And the planet Saturn references the father or fatherhood or the founder or whatever. So this mo- movement concurs with um the first rap battle that occurred in um between uh Africa Bambada and um I think it was um can't even remember this cat's name. Um, it was a DJ battle, and it brought the the DJ scratch and turning skills to the forefront. All right, and it helped to uh, uh, propel the music as a new genre. And when when we look at events after that, in the fourth year, Mars met Pluto. About primary directed Mars met Pluto, and the uh, Herc was assaulted. He was assaulted. He was stabbed. Okay. Then when we look at the the fifth year, we have two motions in the fifth year, and this was the year in which uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and Sugar Hill and them started to really when hip hop really started to make an impact. And when we look at uh, these three planets, pardon me, Mars, Jupiter, and Pluto, they come together. Pluto not only points to healing processes, but it points to other people's resources, and it represents massive wealth, right? And when it's attached to Jupiter, then that's amplified, so that massive becomes colossal, huge becomes humongous, okay? And it was at this point that when Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five and Sugar Hill and them were making that noise that it actually started to, you know, take root. It started to leave New York City, basically. It wasn't just in New York that you could hear hip-hop. Now, you could hear it on the radio. And in Virginia, you could hear it on the radio. People in Georgia were slamming to us. I don't know what was going on out west, because back then I wasn't out west. I'm just referencing my own personal experience. All right? When we get into... um, the 1979-1980 when Curtis Blow blew up and uh, rap became, I mean, hip-hop started to become a household, uh, uh, started to be recognized nationally as a, as a music genre. And his first appearance on television concurred with Mars and Jupiter. Now, understand Jupiter in, in the chart for uh, hip-hop is in the sign of Aquarius, the sign of technology. And Jupiter is the indicator of expansion, amplification, or as we say, blowing up. You know, I blew up. Like, Jay-Z blew up after his first album. So after um, Curtis Blow, hip-hop blew up. It started to become uh, uh, more recognized as uh, 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 a music as opposed to a fad, something that's just going on that niggas is doing. You know, they started to take it seriously. And... In 
the uh, Funky Four Plus One More made their appearance on Saturday Night Live. This concurred with the motion of the moon and the sun. Now, what's deep, what's really deep is when um when it, when hip hop was born. All right, the the sun and the moon were in signs that you call quincunx. The sun was in Leo. So for for those of you who want to know what sign hip hop is, hip hop is a Pisces rising Leo sun, which which means just those two signs alone, without even taking into consideration the points that are found in them or the bodies that are found in them, say music and entertainment. Pisces is music and inspiration, and the sun is entertainment. What's really deep is Pisces not only means music, it means inspiration and Hip-hop inspires more than it does anything else, you know? I can remember the first time I heard Eric B. and Rakim, all right? That uh, Eric B. is president. That beat was crazy. They weren't even doing stuff like that with hip-hop. They weren't taking the street elements of it and making it really, uh, 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 um, you know, gully like that. You know, and when we look at what he was doing now, we look at it and say that that was commercial. But when he first did it, that was really gully. That concurred with the motions of the um, Venus and Saturn. Now, Venus and Saturn together say industry money. That year, also, they received the first $1 million rap contract, okay, 1985, pardon me, 86. So they, when, you, when, you, I'm, when you look at these motions with regard to the hip-hop, then... Uh, 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 and this chart, pardon me, with regard to hip-hop's chart, and you can see why it takes on the persona that it does. Let's let's just look at the fact that the hip-hop chart has Saturn and Cancer, all right? For those astrology heads who understand what Saturn is, Saturn is, uh, it points to cruelty, meanness, emotionless coldness, um, of being totally removed from a situation emotionally whatsoever. But uh, uh, in the sign of cancer, which points to emotions in women, it says cruelty to women or harshness to women. And we had an episode in the 80s where, you know, and they're still doing it, talking about how MCs don't respect women and how um, the music itself uh, 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 promotes the disrespect of women. Well, it's going to be harsh on women and mothers because it comes from a generation uh, uh, and, and was propelled to its fullest thus far in, in a generation where mothers and fathers have been the most irresponsible in the history of this country. So when you see that in the, in the, in the chart, it's a direct reflection of the reality that it already manifests. You know, I just, you know, I was taken aback by that. All right? And hip-hop's uh, Saturn return, for those of you who heard me talk about Saturn return, this is a time of crisis in a person's life, of readjustment, and um, resistance to nature's uh, impulse to uh, uh, compel you or to impel you to, to improve your condition. Resistance to that makes it a very difficult time. And the normal human being... In this, especially in this culture, not being prepared for that Saturn return usually goes through a very difficult, emotional, and tumultuous time. Well, so was it with hip-hop. In hip-hop's uh, uh, Saturn return, we saw the death of Jam Master J, Biggie, and Tupac. Okay? So deaths, all right? Um, 
Well, let me go back to the 15th year, all right? Well, then back a little bit further to the 10th year. So when we were talking about how the, uh, the it was in hip-hop's 10th year that the criminal element started to make a lot of noise. Ice-T started making records about bodying people. Um, what was his name? Um, Just Ice started doing gangster rap in New York, and it spread out to the West and got real live, and hip-hop started to take on that flavor. Mind you, the sign of Pisces also points to criminal potential in anybody's chart, okay? It points to the criminal potential in human nature, all right? And because hip-hop is a Pisces rising, then it is very easy and very natural for that to to fall that way in in and project the Pisces character. Pisces deals with drugs, the user as well as the uh uh the dealer. And when the uh, uh Blue says some real important stuff tonight, man, so we, when hip hop first started talking about crack, it was against it. We they weren't promoting it. I think that song was about the, this lady who, who was in a crack house or locked in a crack house or something like that. And um they was they was clowning the the hustle, and as time went on, after uh, uh, N.W.A. came out with "Fuck the Police," it went into uh, uh, not just talking against the police. It went into doing all kinds of criminal activity, and from that point there is where it flourished and uh, 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 how can you say like blossomed into what it has become now. Which, to me, is really, I'm not that surprised, and I'm not as appalled as a lot of my comrades, because when you look at the motion picture industry, cops and robbers have always sold, have always been the big blockbusters, So started, and, and the yeah, villain has always started, been glorified. They the started doing their numbers it, when they was talking about the dirt. When else, prior to gangster, quote-unquote gangster rap, when was they selling in the millions? I think Run DMC and Jam Master J, I mean, Run DMC and LL, but the appealing aesthetic of the groups is that they emulated the look, the fashion of street culture, even though they wasn't rapping, quote-unquote, street culture. They emulated their entire design behind behind pretty much D-Boys. Yeah, okay. Indeed. And, and the, but you know, that goes back to that super fly. It goes back even further than that, man, to where uh, um, in, the, in, the, in the Renaissance in Harlem, man, where, where when we started getting our own paper and, and was able to live like our oppressors and uh, have that flair, that prestige because of material gain and expensive appearances. And, you know, the dope came in the, and the alcohol. And it's like every 20 years, really not even every 20 years, if you follow, we, I think I discussed this on this show before, if you track Neptune, the planet Neptune, through the signs, then you will find that at its ingress into every sign is a brand new uh, uh, order of narcotics pushed upon our people. You know, by the time it gets to the next sign, it's a whole brand new um Order. So when it was in Capricorn, I mean, pardon me, when it was in Scorpio, um, pardon me, when it was in Capricorn, they came out with crack. 
And when when it moved into Aquarius, they started manufacturing synthetic drugs. Now that it's in uh, uh, Pisces, they're legalizing marijuana and coming down harder on powdered coke. You understand what I'm saying? So we can really watch the motion of how they put drugs on our people. But they're, they're understanding that cycle and looking at that cycle, and I've been studying that cycle for years. That still doesn't give me a solution because the, the brother Rick said some really important stuff, man. He's like, you know, you, you're mad at him for selling drugs and 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 blaming him for making for you know for making it uh, 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 apparently for it, it appears that he his contribution made it humongous in this country, but it. It is actually the people who decide to go buy it and use it that are uh, that are, are are liable and and accountable in this situation. So where hip hop is has been given by the universe the opportunity to be, to be the most inspirational, Pisces also represents ignorance. It represents when you don't know something, okay? It has nothing to do with your willingness or unwillingness to know. It just simply says unknowing. It points to the unknown. So in its naivety and in our uh, development trying to come up the social ladder and economic ladder, come up the social ladder economically, we're going to easily gravitate to grab opportunities to, to become big. Where the mistake is, is we allow them to uh to 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 manipulate our music to manipulate our artists to take our music and uh capitalize on it and and to start to control it all right when you look at Pisces the sign it has the sign of cancer which is emotional in the place of the heart so very much like our people the music itself is is an emotional medium and tends more to emotionality than it does to intellectualism. And for that reason, uh, for that reason, hip hop is easily moved and swayed as is many as are many other other art forms. But this um, this chart has at the top of its number line the planet Mercury. And for those of you who have an astrological bent, Mercury points to all forms of thought transfer, okay, be it conversation, writing, uh, code, symbols, signs, alphabets, or, or hieroglyphs. It's all about transferring thought. So this is an excellent medium. They'll never be able to dilute it to the degree where we can't use it to, to, uh, you know, to truly express how we feel about things, basically. All right. One more thing I wanted to elaborate on, because there's a lot of stuff here, but um, yep. I think me and Blue are going to do a show on this later, right? One thing I wanted to elaborate on is... Can question? When you're done, Star, before you get off the line, I want you to finish, but I just want to let you know I want to ask you a question. Okay, and sure, 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 Buddha. All right. Um, when When you look at the North Node in an astrological chart, the North Node defines the ultimate purpose of a thing or a person, okay? You know, like people ask me all the time, what's my purpose here? You know, well, our first and universal purpose is to gain and pass on knowledge, okay? That's it, plain and simple, okay? But how exactly you're supposed to go about that is promised to you, or the easiest way to go about that is promised to you by the position of the North Node in your chart, 
Or when we look at hip-hop, hip-hop has the North Node in the sign of Capricorn, which is the sign of building and structuring and organizing, and thus points to the fact that this would be an excellent tool to be used for organizing our people. And I think they understood that. Because when, uh, for example, this is just an example, when Rakim uh, uh, came out with Paid in Full and, and, and put the, uh, the uh, Nation of Gods and Earth lessons in those lyrics, you saw that movement blow up. It were more gods in every city all across this country than you could ever imagine having been, They're especially when he was the shit, okay? So if you think that the, the conversion rate to Islam was like, boom, it just blew up, right? Because people were converting to all different forms of Islam. It wasn't just the uh, nation of gods and earth. You had the movie uh, X that came out that was influenced by our music genre to bring that out, okay? And when that occurred, you think the government didn't know? And the first thing they sought to do was, was how do you counter you, to to counter-propagandize the music, you know? And this is when... Uh, uh, as soon as the knowledge started getting real heavy, that's as soon as when, you know, they put in the negativity, and, and that started to get real heavy. Now it's gotten to the point where, like we said on, on, on several shows over the last few weeks, it's not even cool to kick knowledge now. Use a, use a goofball trying to get intellectual now. But what was you going to say, Buddha? Yo, man, phenomenal. First of all, I just got to say phenomenal. Um, second of all, question I was going to ask you, I think you kind of almost touched on answering it, um, but the thing was, what was the chart when crack came in, specifically crack, because hip-hop has this crazy relationship with the ideology and uh, the image of the crack distribution concept to where whatever drug came in, it it still went back to the whole lingo of crack, the whole the whole distribution concept behind crack. And what was the chart when crack as the hustle medium came in but, re, but remained the platform to it became the image of hip-hop so that I was talking to the Peel earlier. The early um, the hip hop connection now is no longer the things you're talking about because people that were that grew up listening to hip hop north say that wasn't nobody pushing drugs on you either. You know, people set up their little their little camps, and you know, it was known on the streets that if you you wanted it, that's where you went. But wasn't nobody, yeah. like, running up to you if you was an MC? Boy, like, nobody do nothing. You got to don't. It wasn't like that in the hood. It now, wasn't that, the way that's, he, a, that's a, so, very, good, so that's a I, very good point. That's a so crazy good point, was, Buddha. Hip-hop was fighting against crack. Hip-hop was changing. It was doing all type of things. But yet, the crack ideology and the image of I'm the big... I'm not even the crack man. I'm I'm the man that's giving you the keys to be the crack man. Became the the dominant image that connects hip hop now. Like the modern youth, their only connection to hip hop is the drug ideology, and the, that's the reason they listen to Rakim, or they can even relate to the gold chains and and 
that, that that's what they think hip hop is and was, and I want to know what was in the chart that allowed them to. Then what I need, what I'm going to look for that for this info. What I need, unfortunately, there are limitations to the craft that I practice, and and one of them is the main one is, is I need a date, an accurate date, for when crack became an epidemic. To just say one month would be would be great. And one month out of which year to say when when freebasing became uh uh you know an epidemic in this country or when it's when it took root, period. The chart for that would have to be a specific day and month. I wouldn't even worry about the hour. If we could get the month, then we can work on uh, uh narrowing down the day and then narrowing down the hour. But to say what the chart was for, for crack itself then we I don't have a chart for that. I would need a date. But I do know that it came out during the time that Oranos and um that Oranos and Neptune were in the sign of Capricorn, which is diametrically one hundred and eighty degrees in opposition to the sign of family in in, in in the chart. And the whole thing was designed to break down the family and destroy the mother, as we had already seen our father's fall through the 60s and the 70s, the crack cocaine, I believe, I believe, was actually aimed not at just as a people, but focused on our women. You know, mm. because the women that I know that fell victim to it, they all said, man, it replaced sex. It replaced sex entirely for them. So, you know, it has to be a very powerful thing when every living creature on this planet cherishes two urges more than anything else. That's the urge to engage in sex and the urge to eat, all right? And I'm not counting the urge to breathe, all right? But at any rate, the the urge to eat and the urge to procreate is, is a predominant urge that uh, 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 it has the strongest influence over every living thing. Here you had a drug that would make rats forget about eating, man. We don't want no food, okay? Rats, they live to eat. Forget about food. They just want crack. So the, we would need the actual day for that to, to for, in order for me to speak on it with any confidence. But the, I do know that the era that it came in was designed to destroy the family. And that's exactly what it did. It wasn't just the drugs that they used to do that. The entire political, Reaganomic, economic agenda yeah. was designed to break up the family. Because if y'all yeah. remember, if if y'all remember, in the 70s, it wasn't nothing for uncle, aunt, and moms to still be living with grandma and with all their kids, okay, in a big old house. You know, mom got the got the got the uh, uh, basement floor. Her younger sister got two bedrooms up on the uh, on first floor, and her brother, the oldest brother, still living in the attic. Okay, that was not on you and everybody working. Okay, so it wasn't like everybody was just living off of grandma. See, that was not unusual. During the '80s, the trend came that separated us. You know, we I can no longer worry about what my brother doing because it's me and my kids and I'm starving over here. So my brother going to have to make it the best way he can because when it comes to me and mine, I can't go outside of that. So that mentality became real prominent during the Reagan era because they practically eliminated the, the, uh, the middle class. Then they opened the door by letting the drugs flow in every single major city. Okay, and 
Not only did it just let them flow, cause because we, if you heard what the brother said for years, they was getting money and it wasn't even hot like that. It's like yep. they, like out, out of nowhere, they just decided to, okay, let's start enforcing the law that we passed against this drug. And that's when we started losing our men left and right. Simultaneously, guns came into the neighborhood in abundance, like, you know, like we were ordering them shits out of a Smith & Wesson magazine, okay? And the uh, 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 the removal of the black man and the black woman is, like, uh, almost triumphant. It's gotten to the point where now what we see is a very serious gap between the youth and the elders, okay? And that, that, that gap leaves the elders in fear and insecure for not being able to influence the youth who the men who would have been in the middle would have would have would have would have been there to you know provide that impetus to to provide that catalyst for growth. But when you ask about the hip hop chart, the hip hop chart is a Pisces rise, and I hope all y'all Pisces out there do not take this for granted because signs don't make you planetary positions do. All right, but the sign of Pisces points to addiction. It points to fascination. It points to hero worship, okay? You know, the, it, it is the sign of Christianity. So if you can see how mm-hmm. the Christians glorify Jesus, then music and entertainment forces you to treat the celebrity like we used to treat our prophets, okay? Music is a new religion. Yeah, yeah but right. you make the celebrity the image of crack, which... Hold on, man. I got ...with the largest of family destruction. Ah, Let's open up red line. Jesus Christ. Yo, yo, yo. So you you, you make the image of the, the the image to worship becomes an android meaning, a fiction behind the the, the the dominance of the drug dealing image to to oh, to personify oh, yeah. the hip hop. So the right. hip hop so no longer has relevance. Yeah, what it is is it's a hell of a machine, man. No, okay. no, I mean, hip-hop has a relevance, but, I mean, the way that they're projecting the image is to destroy what we're talking about. Yeah, but the, what, what I'm saying is they're going to set up a hell and of they a don't machine. Understand, like, like, and this is a great solution because we're explaining how this persona has overshadowed what actually hip-hop is and has become what they project as hip-hop, but it's really not hip-hop. Like, hip-hop is still alive. Yeah, like but it's not the hip hop that like it was. This, you know what I mean? It's not evolved. It, it, it's still here. It's never quick resistance. It's never quick resistance. Nah, this is what's really deep. This is what's really saying, deep. This was really you're saying deep. saying it's not hip hop it was, but is it hip hop that it was meant to be according to the progression of its chart? Yeah, yeah. Look at this. Look at this. This is what you got to understand. There's a positive and a negative. Okay? We can't change the fact that. Hip hop is a Pisces is is a Pisces rising Leo sun. We can't change that, okay? Which makes it a very childish, very naive, very altruistic, optimistic type of thing, okay? And because that's what Pisces does, it gives you faith. You know, the faith that you find to use in yourself to bolster courage and confidence in the face of having no knowledge whatsoever. That is a Pisces thing, okay? And that's the actual, actual proper application of it. But the, those who study the signs and the people who are Pisces understand that these are the most 
um, how you say, sensitive people. They're the easiest people to influence if they don't have a grounding and experience that teaches them not to be that way. Because it is the nature of Pisces to, to believe, to be gullible, to accept on face value. And this is exactly mm-hmm. the lower rung of Pisces that hip-hop has uh, 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 evolved into. Now, had hip-hop evolved to a higher level, that uh, uh, you would have a whole bunch of rock hymns out here, P.E.s and Poor Righteous Teachers, and, that, and that's all we would hear. They take mm-hmm. advantage of the fact that the average mind... Is operating on a second grade level, you know, and this is for people who graduated from college. When I say second grade, I mean exactly that, man. Second grade, second oh, yeah. grade. Hold on. Yeah, Red, put your phone on mute till you're ready. So I just I just looked at the directions and 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 did the natal no, on. No, no, um, no. I, I I see what I see what you're saying. I'm agreeing. I'm saying that they created this image to rise with the fallen, so to say. So it's exactly. Oh uh, yeah. Jay Z said something very key. He was like, you know, we'll stop making cocaine lyrics when people stop buying cocaine lyric music. Okay. And so at at this point, our people as a whole are are um, disenfranchised, and they they don't recognize a good thing when they see it. They don't want what's good for them. They want what's bad for them. And you know, what like the lesser say, easily led in the wrong direction, hard to lead in the right direction. So it has become to where they're conditioned to grab on to the negative anyway. You know, it's on us really to to make. Being wise, cool again, you know, and <laughs> that's going to be kind of difficult, but you know, it's working. You know, I'm a, I'm almost fifty, and I still see young brothers coming to me trying to get the wisdom, trying to go the route that we were going before things went bad. So, think, you know, yeah, Rob, cool. I feel that we got to give credit to the the time that we're in. You know what I'm saying? I feel that we're in the throes of that that renaissance of, you know, being smart as cool again. Like uh, the young guy, J. Cole, did 375000 this week, you know what I mean, off of a conscious album. You know, oh, yeah? Uh, he, yeah, oh, yeah. Definitely he, he did three seventy five. He did the – that was the highest first week out of the whole year. And I've always said that these incidents that have been happening uh, with this quote-unquote police brutality – you know, uh, for all do you know, for all rights and purposes, that is what we've seen the rise of the sleeping giants, like people who would never have considered to even stop what it is that they're doing, you know, on a nigger train and get off for on that stop of, you know, of, of, of consciousness, you know what I mean? Like they're they're stopping what they're doing and just opening up their eyes and it's so obvious at this point that, you know, but it won't it, it it won't just do what it's supposed to do without the activators, the ones that are the teachers, the scholars who have been out here putting in this work for the past three or four decades, you know, or just the last ten, five years or whatever. We have to be the intermediates. We have to be the ones that catch them. Like when Neo woke up, Morpheus and Trinity was there to guide him to Zion. He just didn't wake up, you know what I mean, and just was like, oh, I'm out of the Matrix. He needed those teachers. He needed those people. That they had his ass in the room. They had him in orientation because when you unplug, if you don't have that guide, you could short circuit. 
that's what we see in these streets with these brothers that we look for help with. That's who that's who we are. We are we are the Morpheuses, we are the Neos, we are the, the Trinities and whatnot that are leading the people into Zion when they unplug, getting them through that that uh getting them out of the matrix safely. So that the, the Renaissance is here, the rise is here. I, I really see it. You know what I mean? Well what I've observed over the last two years with regards to the reversal you know, because we have to speak on that. When we talk about how cracked out our music is, the last two years, it's been making a steady, you know, stand back up type of move, you know, with the God Hop and with uh, uh, Kendrick Lamar, you know, uh, blowing up with that positive, so-called positive intellectual rap. So he, he eventually it's going to come back. The The catch with me really is, not, you know, when we get it back to where we want it, I mean, all that's fine. It's keeping it there that counts, you know. And, you know, getting our people to wake up to the fact, I mean, what we do know is this. Nothing sells music better than a strong beat. So as long as the conscious music has strong beats, it's going to flourish. You know, Neptune is also in Pisces right now. So that that points to a time of of, of disillusionment and, and and a reestablishment of proper ideals. Now, because it's in the beginning of Pisces, then then hip hop is just beginning to see um, the effects of of, the, of that indication. It's going to be another twelve years though before we before we actually before we actually see some progress that that, that it seems that appears substantial. You know, before it's Indeed. back to, where, to the point where this is almost eradicated. Indeed, we in the, we in the long run, brother. We, you know, what I'm saying it took so many years to put out, you know, for the for the people to go knee deep or goddamn with this, with, with you know, the 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 sewage is over their heads at this point. So yeah, you know, yeah. Now I was oh, oh I was looking at that to today. Unravel. I was like that conversion to spoil hip hop. Didn't happen as fast as I as it appeared when I did the number no, line sir. today. It, it was you decades know? that we you can't even remember. You try to think back and pinpoint yourself in ninety two, ninety three. That shit is eons ago, bro. That's lifetimes ago. We don't went we went through like four lifelines since then. Yeah. So we are doing the work now, the steady work. We are I, we are in eighty six. We are in eighty seven yeah. right now. We are in eighty eight. We're doing the work that they were doing in that era, and then we're 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 we're, we're forecasting that ninety eight ninety nine is when it's gonna crescendo. You feel me? This ain't this is the long run. That's what I tell people. Like this shit is not no overnight success. Like stop looking for you know all of these people with these pessimistic uh, uh, you know I'm giving up. I can't take it anymore. Like you were you you signed up for some Facebook likes. Uh, I don't know what you signed up for. Yo, you know I what feel, I mean? You I signed feel, up for look, the customary I, I, I empathize with that person, but I, I can't sympathize because I'm not going to give up. But I feel like that almost every day, Lord. Be honest with you, man. It's like, you know, I'm trying to teach dogs how to wear suits and walk on their hind legs, man. Without this getting their hair all over the place. Yeah. It's next to being a, a single mother in America, this is one of the most arduous, unpopular. You know what I mean? This this is we are really monks right now, bro. You feel yeah. me? Like we are we are going through our piousness. We are really going through the fire. Like this is one of the most difficult 
challenging, you know what I mean, steel sharp and steel type of jobs that any black man can or woman can sign up in these days and times in the wilderness of North America right now. And that's yeah, a fact. Yeah, charging ourselves to wake up the giant. Indeed. And to help them stand up, Facts. too. Facts. Not just but wake them up. I, we got to help them stand up. I always say this, that when history looks back and when it reflects on what was going on in the era of 2012, 2013, 2014, when niggas loved the cocoa and they was online fighting for Jordans and they was running around talking about hands up, don't shoot, and am I next and all of that stuff. It would be written in stone and it would be written in the history books that there was a contingency, there was a group of brothers and sisters who stayed the course who was out there doing the work when that shit was not popular, when it wasn't a, when it wasn't a, a, a hashtag. So, yeah. you know, out of, out, of, out, of, out of 40, how many millions of us are there? Should we, uh, what, 40, 43? 45 to 45 million? Well, we've identified. I couldn't I so could honestly say today. 450 million, pardon me. 450 million. I can honestly say today that in my days and times of my reincarnation in this era, I can identify who the 5% are. And they're not just 5 percenters. They're 5% of that population that have risen to the to the, the cream of the crop, that have risen to the top. Give a fuck about how many cars you got, nigga, or what kind of white gold, or is it platinum, or how many bottles you buy. Like, that's not that, that's Status. not that's not your qualification. That's not that that does not uh, describe what your jurisdiction is in the in the wilderness and the hells of North America, nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not it. When it's all said and done, okay. When the smoke clears and when the, when the, when, the, when the smoke clears and all of that shit goes to the wayside, it will be the ones who stood on the front line, who manifested who God was because they made something out of nothing. They was going up against that machine. They was going up against that beast. They was going up against the shit that was killing the cannon, the kill, kill, that was eating up all of the cannon fodder. They were the true warriors. All of these other niggas out here, I don't, I can't speak for them. I don't even, I, I can't speak for them. I don't have, at the end of the day, if they don't get on the train, there's nothing that we can say. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm, I'm at this point. I'm just disgusted because they should be more involved economically. They should be putting in that work, like they put in that work on each other every day. They should be doing a lot more, but they're not. So we don't focus on them. We focus on who got on board and who's willing to do the work and who's out here doing what it is that they do. That's all that matters in my universe at this point. And these babies. So well, I had to I had to concur with that, Lord. You know, if I throw my rope into a pit, and, I, I, and the people who don't want to grab on that rope and climb out, they welcome to stay. They welcome to stay, and I'm not marching for them. They welcome to stay. I mean, it's on them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not wasting melanin, and and I'm not retarding my melanin by being in fear-induced states of being because I feel like it's over. No, nah, nah. Miss me with all of that. We got to focus on the Yo, geniuses, on the scholars, the entrepreneurs. You know what I'm saying? These young indigos that are going to be, I'm talking about they're going to be the, the, the most intelligent, 
forward thinking, they're going to be the gods. My, 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 my daughter and my son, your daughter and your son, these babies, man, they're the ones. Like the ones they they're three years old reciting Kendrick lyrics and all of that. Like they that's their that's their rock hymns. Like we we're gonna focus on creating an environment and creating a society and creating a renaissance that they can eat from. That's what I'm talking about. And there's enough of us at this point. The five percent out of that four hundred and fifty million, we 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 changing the world every day. Every time we open up our eyes and speak or type on a computer, do whatever it is we do, we are affecting reality. And that's all I'm saying. We have to realize and recognize and, and come to terms with that. And that's it. All of this other shit is a distraction, but it's also it. I mean, I, I'm I'm an optimist, so I see all of this. I see all of this stuff as an opportunity for us to teach. That's all I see. It's just an opportunity to teach it. It's like if consciousness is the school of knowledge and thought, the freshman class, all them niggas that woke up via YouTube with the Illuminati or Jay Z, the Illuminati, millions of them woke up. They now the sophomores. We got a whole new freshman class, about 10 million deep. They come out of the ghettos of Ferguson. They come out of the ghettos of Atlanta. They come out of the trap house. They come out of the, the, the college campuses all across America. We got them overseas now. We have 10 million-plus people, freshmen, ready to be taught and unplugged from the matrix because they're ready to do some work. That's what we focus on. Simple shit. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. You know, and the, that the main thing that we that have to tell. focus on. Yes, the the our, our duty as a collective. Our our duty as a collective body, right? They, they talk about nationality and nation building. Our duty and our responsibility is to get our house in order, is to get these groups together, is to get these organizations to bury the hatchet, is to get these egos and personalities to simmer down and to come into no, the room and to get, huh? No, we don't. No, we don't. At all. No, we don't. We just got to focus on the core unit, you know what I'm saying, build amongst your bedroom, you know what I'm saying, and, and the people that think like you and see like you and have, you know, the aspirate they share in your aspirations, we're not going to be able to bring together those groups. They are divided by politics and religion. There's no helping them. You know what I'm saying? They are, you know, they're, they're Piscean. Let them be who they are. They're going to do what it is that they do. They're going to have to figure that thing out on their own. And the people that's going to go into that situation, you know, they, they, they're going to get glass in their feet, you know what I'm saying? And you catch them in surgery. Other than that, it's not too much that you can do at this point. Because you know, what, still... what, what, what is really terrible about the whole thing is everybody, you know, everybody knows what's going on, really. So, you know, so to say that we're trying to wake people up is is ridiculous. People are woke. People know. They've heard it. Either they accept it or they reject it. You know, I'm here for those who accept it. Those who reject it, please keep doing what you're doing so you can just fizzle out. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't need it. We really don't. You're a problem. You're, you're enabling it. You're contributing to it. But the, those who are willing, then, you know, that's that's all you can really help. You know, there's an old saying, you know, you can raise, you can, you can heal the sick, you can't raise the dead. You know, 
And it, and what's really deep is, you know, Caro, K-A-R-O. And it, it's a process that exists in a, 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 a multitude, uh, an environment with multiple uh, participants, you know. And it's natural human reaction, you know, because we're not spiritually developed like we were thousands of years ago. When we see something and there's there's two or three people out of a hundred making that motion, then a few more people are going to get with it just because it's being made, just because that motion is being made by others. Then a few more people are going to get with it because there's numbers with it. You see, so that's the same situation that uh, uh, George Jackson talked about when he, when he was talking about uh, taking over prisons and, and taking over cities, that you don't need the entire population to participate in, in the overthrow. It only takes a few good, willing individuals to spark that thing off, and 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 nine times out of ten, fifty percent of the people observing is gonna get with it simply because it's happening. They just needed a a a, a push. You see, Case so that's what that's what that's yeah. what we here for. We are here exactly. to to push, just to give them that right. nudge to, in the right direction. You know, because I don't, I don't have any leashes. You know, I don't have a leash. I can't tie you up and drag you with me. You, you know, I'm just going to give you a nudge in the right direction and point over that hill. And that's where we going. And that's how I see it, you know. You know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it, as much as I do truly understand that the average American, and, you know, not even using melanin content as a gauge, the average person who lives in this territory they have no desire to increase their education only a desire to increase their creature comforts okay so you know that's that's another reason why you know i express this hopelessness because our people cling to these creature comforts like they cling to their breath man you know for uh, uh all that i gotta eat you know we'll, we'll, the refrigerator is still empty with 200 dollar tennis shoes on your feet but you got to eat, you know. See, but the men ask you a question. Indeed, Lord. What What exactly? Because I, I could I could um, reflect and go back into you know when I was a prisoner of my creature comforts. You know, when I was actually in that prison when I was doing time. You know, what it is, what is it that you know uh, broke our chains that got us free from that? Because many of my comrades. The people that I build with, they were victims of that mentality as well. You know, that's why they are easily able to relate, especially when they take the time to reflect. You know, they can well, find personally, themselves. That- personally, Lord, it was repetition. Uh, it was a repetition of experience that convinced me that you don't own nothing on this planet, man. You know, like, for example, uh, you know, I was in prison too, and that's where the the dematerialization of my world occurred, all right? And uh, I can't put my finger on the day, but I, I know exactly it was because the things that I had accumulated through packages, you know, Walkman, sweat clothes, and every time they shake down, they would destroy my shit, okay? And it got to the point where it's so routine. The routine discomfort was so routine that being uncomfortable was comfortable to me. I mean, it was it didn't bother me anymore. So it got to the I point where, oh, they're going to come in here and tear this shit up anyway. So I don't care nothing mm-hmm. about it. 
and when they came in there and broke my walk, man, I would just get another one. You understand? So that attitude is something that didn't wear off when I came home. You know, like uh, when mm-hmm. I before I went in, if if, if I, I got you know how you drop a uh, how you smoke a cigarette and a, and a little uh, coal get on you, put a little pinhole in your pants. Before I went to jail, if that happened to me, the pants was garbage. I didn't care how much they cost. Okay, now a little hole in my pants ain't nothing but a little hole in my pants. <laughs> you see, and the, my 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 physical brother said to me, "Yo, man, what the fuck happened to you?" I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, man, you used to be on material things. You wanted rings, gold, diamonds. You you wanted the best shoes. And it's like you don't even care anymore. Well, you 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 when you when you actually take the time to evaluate what all of this stuff you cherish is worth, you find out it ain't worth a fuck. You know, and, and if you got any common sense, you know, and and that is why we come out. Not feeling as sentimental about our material brand name possessions as we did before we went in. We got the opportunity to see what life was like where you couldn't have those things. And that shows you how unnecessary they are. But then you got to look at all those brothers that didn't go through that experience, right? They, didn't, they weren't thrust in a situation where they had to evaluate their material desires and values. You know, or reevaluate. They uninterruptedly were allowed to pursue these things with the gusto of a savage, without any frown, without any um, any any advice to the contrary. So this is the reason why they're still there. You know. Indeed, brother. Indeed. All right. Let me. Um... You know, it, it, it takes a. It takes a. a uh, depravity, because you, it, it, you know any brother that's in a situation where he has nice things and be getting nice things, and these are the things that attract women, you know. Right. And so, yeah, so uh, 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 getting a brother to get up off of that tip ain't gonna stop because this is how he gets his women. You know, his and, women. He can't, and he doesn't understand how to captivate the mind of a woman without flashing a whole bunch of material shit in her face because he never really took the time to develop himself mentally either. Facts. So so all he got is his material uh, 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 belongings and the flash. You know? And it isn't fair. It isn't really fair. You all right there? Yes. yes, you are. Okay. It isn't really fair that we that, that uh, we as conscious folk point a finger at them and constantly accuse them of not getting off their stoop when we're not actually giving them an alternative to the fulfillment of the de- or the development of their desire self. You know, their desire itself. Desire. Yeah, man, desire. That is the strongest thing on the planet, man. Whether, you know, people want to say that you got a whole bunch of other influences, but the desires of a living thing are to nourish itself and multiply, and this is what living things do more than anything else, and that comes from desire. Well, you know, right. I'm not pointing at those few people who have developed themselves outside of that box. I'm looking at the collective, you know. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, I just wanted to chime in. I just wanted to ask the brethren what he was talking about was the illusion of property. And that, yeah, um, exactly. 
actually, if you study the law and people find out, they they never own anything they think they own. <laughs> it's all license and 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 um, it's there just for use. Your car. Your yeah, shoes. when you get the, when you get if the driver's license, you sign away your ownership. You, if it has a logo or brand on it, you can't use it the way you want to use it. If you film it and you try and promote it and you don't pay for a license fee, you'll find out that you got to blur your shoe out. That's not your shoe. <laughs> That's somebody else's <laughs> shoe on your foot that you're promoting. And your car, you know, you don't own your car. You got to pay your registration, your license, and your fee. None of the property, not nothing you own, even your house, you're going to pay your property tax because of the application of the acreage and the city, the city ordinance. You have to abide by and the facilities you're using. So none of the stuff you're on. And then a lot of people, like you said, they discover that maybe in prison or through studying, but a lot of people realize, they don't even realize, so there's a whole illusion of self and the illusion of property. That exactly. People, and and that goes back to the image of the, 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 the successful drug dealer with a bunch of property that he can dispose of that is not real. And and this is our, just our keep, I think our consistent, logical and intellectual and cultural attack on that concept will change the, the the dynamics of the community. And we start awakening them to that and make them understand as the Moors and people who study the law are doing. If you really study, you don't own none of the stuff that you have. Based if you're religious, you know you can't take none of it with you. And that's why they, they, they justify making the laws to regulate your use of it. Yeah, and exactly. Exactly. And bring it here, it ain't God-given. So they have a, a false sense of self based on the property that they're, that they're regulated to, to use. And then they call that ownership and self and identity. And then that makes it easy to control and manipulate personality because the personality is based in fiction. Man, let me tell you something. You kicking it like I don't know what. Plain and simple. You know, the thing is, get, telling that person who is so uh, struck by the, by the illusion of property that they don't own that and to prove to them that they don't own it. They, and, they, you know, that's like, man, please, it's, it's vicious. And believe me, I, I do it every day. And, and, and I feel like, you know, I feel crazy. You know, you how you keep trying the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. <laughs> you know, yeah. where I enlighten folks and I bring folks to the knowledge of themselves and to the to the knowledge of the science that I use. And regardless how well I present it, uh, uh, how many people sign up at the end of the year, I still only have five students out of out of two hundred applicants because the average individual is not willing to dedicate their time to improving their condition, because that requires work. You know, yeah. work and, Look, and responsibility. Give me, give me one second, y'all. Let me open up this line. Got somebody that wants to chime in. Call it from the 530. Hold on one second, y'all. Peace. All right. All right. Peace. 
peace to the family. Peace to the family. Peace to Buddha. Peace to peace to Rob. Peace to the pills. Everybody listening. Listen. Peace. Hey, hey. I love listening to my brothers talk because y'all are so brilliant. I just want to offer another perspective in my reading and my gleaning of our psychology because when I indulge myself in this, I always like to see what the root of how our ancient people thought. And they connected material wealth with physical abilities to manipulate the physical world. The accumulation of wealth was something that the priesthood told the people in the myth to honor, to honor those who accumulate things and treat them accordingly. When you go to Indus Kush, there's a fully intact caste system. So whoever's strongest could take over whatever position at whatever given time, we know all these positions change. So all of our structures architecturally was all focused on the concentricity of mass. So so I never I, I, I would never uh, speak ever against money, accoutrements, extra change, extra shoes and all that because I know what it does. It stimulates, especially in these times, it stimulates the know-how within poverty. Hip-hop is also a child of poverty as well. It had a birth child, but the birth, it was born in a poor world, you see. So through that poverty, it created genius. So it was also a movement that was also something that made people feel good when they was poor, but it also afforded people to sell and create things. It was also simultaneous to it was an art movement as well. You feel me? So the art movement is the aesthetic. We have to dress up. We have to look nice. We have to always fancy and, 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 and intimate towards female attention. This is why the ancients always said that the throne of Asar it's the crown. It's the, the, the crown of Asa is the throne of Aset. She, she, we must sit in her mind. You have to manipulate aesthetics. Her psychology is fact cosmically towards aesthetics. She reminds you consistently to go get your hair cut, brush your teeth. You need a new pair of jeans. You heard? And some of the, some of us didn't have to have that because we saw our fathers with it. You see, they had that type of game where we seen our fathers in action and they gave some brothers haberdashery. But now we have the internet, we got some uh we got these dialogues like this where we're able to give up some game. So I'm just offering another thing and not to discourage the people who get money who listen to your shows, who is still in the streets. Who 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 know how they got their money? They got their money because they looked it good when they came outside to seal a deal. You see, so I heard a tradition in hip hop. They said Puff Daddy got his parting check for when he was at the old label was uh, I think about sixty thousand. He spent fifty of it on a on a Range Rover just to go to the meet. He was broke after that, but the fact that he went and enamored and empowered with the external accoutrement knowing that's what people is into, I'm not changing the wheel. People always will and forever be in love with some shit that shines. You feel me? Yeah, and okay. I, I, let me let me let me interject. Let me interject yeah. this, Lord, yeah. because I'm not I want to I'm not the possession of of nice things. What I'm what I'm what I'm pointing to is the fact that people prioritize that over their liberty. Right. And, and at that point, when when having a nice car and living in a nice house overrides being safe walking out of that house, then something's wrong. You understand? 
You know, it's more important that I have on sneakers and designer jeans than an education. It's more important that I bling and wear all this shiny shit than I put myself in a position to be able to buy this shit every day if I need to, if I wanted to. See, their priorities are messed up is what I'm pointing at. You know, we need the material in this material world. We wouldn't be here. I think also what he's adding upon is that when you're talking about the time of those ancestors, those ancestors actually owned those things. Those were things that they accumulated. There was theirs. There was somewhat like, you know, that's down to their family. The mystic knows that we own nothing. Now, our people knew that they couldn't take none of that stuff with them. They intimated in their psychology that it was important for the living. And that's how the living was able to honor the dead through the accoutrements which they left behind, which we were bequeathed with things which are of substance. I'm not saying not the contrary. I'm just filtering our narrative, and I'm just me on my Buddha quick shit, right? I'm filtering my filtering my narrative through objectivity, yeah, because I know how people. We don't need a subjective message. We we in the big homie era. I'm 40. We gotta tell them directives. Yeah. You right. I was gonna say is that the illusion of property and the prop. It's like the people got it confused that when we talked about the illusion of property and the people that know the property is illusion, and then they know to use the property as a prop. Like, they can prop up, and all the energy that comes with the prop is put on the set for the frame of reality that the people's in, and they're going to use whatever props, and they know it's a prop, so they understand the illusion of property. But the people are sold that they can have the property. The illusion is not exposed to them, and it's the framing of the message, and, and what we're talking about is it from that aspect. Right. Right, no question, no question. You know, you know, you you know. I know about that. I always, I always try to tell the group that I mentor about putting the, the horse in front of the cart as far as priorities is concerned. But there's also, you know, from our rearing and where we come from. Sometimes they say, you know, it, 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 it's it's dual. You know, the belly got to be full, but who gonna feed a bum? You know what I'm saying? Word up. People, you know what I'm saying? It's like you gotta, you gotta be fresh to get fresh. You gotta act like a king to be a king. And this, this one of the only things that humans can actually do that that humans could do that's really miraculous, and that's a part of their God aspect is that they can synthesize what they want to do before they do it. They can synthesize it in their mind, the taste of foods that they know will not be great for their palate. See, other animal life forms, other entities in this realm, they can't synthesize the experience prior to. You know what I'm saying? So these yes, are right. these is like the anchors in inception that the, that, that, that the people use as they woke up in new realms. They needed a, something in their head, something, an emblem, an anchor physical that had weight to it to anchor them in the physical world. And our ancestors, they left us a tier system in our ability to make manifest things, and they gave us uh, an alloy system where they begin, not because of their precious nature, but because of their metallic 
uh, nature and their ability to transduce energy in particular wave bands. Gold, the top, silver, bronze, and then they say we are the clay and the iron. So above us, our imagination is heat sensitive. Therefore, it runs in the realm of copper. This is why people use copper talismans in Sudan. And then above that, silver. I tell you, silver talismans. Yeah, they use silver talismans for moon. You you see that in in Eastern Africa and in and in the um the the, the Rastafarians from Ethiopia, they use silver. And then gold, of course, is is the alloy of choice to to do cosmic connections because of the stellar lensing that it does. So we accumulated all those things, of course, as props, as you say but to also establish a current in the psychology. The narrative of the people is that they must strive for for the greater good because cleanliness, being striving for money and ambition and feeling good is good. Poverty, I know more people that suffer and they, they fear the dangers of poverty than they do the risk incurred. So I I don't I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to give nobody the rhetoric to go and do anything that they not built for. But the people that we know that's listening that that we really want to reach that want to make that critical decision to change the quality of their life, they can take that same attitude of getting fresh if they risk their life and put it into something these dialogues. But the way that they're going to get to the root and the fruit of what we offer is if we give it to them objectively and give them the full thing without saying one thing is bad, you know? That's my thing. Oh, yeah, I don't think people were saying it was bad. It's more for just exposing what the illusion of property was all about so people can all say, all right, well, prop yourself up. Like, you know, all all wealthy people, people don't know, they have a zero balance. They actually carry no money and really? own nothing. Everything right. is either in the trust or ran by corporation, and when they step out their door in the public, they're moving in, 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 in corporate status or, or, or in assembly. They never enter the public outside assembly or corporate status. And and when they enter the public, they always move with a zero balance. If you actually check the wealthiest people in the world, they own no money. They own nothing. And it's all a front, a prop. So I think when we were discussing the illusion of property is to get the people back more into motivating themselves to go beyond owning menial things that they consider successful and realizing that they could be creating that illusion of property, that illusion that they can be behind the manifestation of property for other people to have the illusion of owning. You understand that they can get more than being victims to the illusion, because there's a lot of people that's manipulating the people using the concept of property and not necessarily inspiring them beyond owning menial objects to give their sense them a sense of self and personality in the narrative. When if well, they I'm understood if they understood more if I'm they understood more they would understood the illusion of property and the, and how their life was regulated by a concept of property and then the narrative would expand. 
into Lord, a greater Lord, a greater movement of property. You understand me? Lord, because what you just said is the blueprint that I want to employ is what I'm saying. I love what you say. I'm a student of yours, but operatively, I'm, I love the illusion. I'm pushing that line. Men are here to be manipulated, and the illusion is a part of God's imagination. I'm with exactly. it. We're using these adjectives, but I want to use them proactively. I don't have no enemies. I'm going off the blueprint of who winning to get back my jewels. For real. They got my shit locked up over there in a building. And I'm like this. They they like this. You could you could download how to get all your shit back. Now they done made it easy. It's this again, I'm taking what you taught I got from you. I'm I changed my name. Oh, you're good, D. No, I'm you not know? no, no, you're not wrong. I'm just saying I'm trying to expose people to what the illusion is, and you're right. You can open up and control it once you know what it is, and you can manifest more within that power rather than being victimized by it. That's the right. whole point. Right. This is you no know, ledge. 